mean, I'm sure this will come up in some future background check anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I'm less concerned about the gap in employment. I'm more concerned about why the fuck are you on a podcast about a teenage show on the CW? Can you talk to me about that? And can we get back to the dog semen? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's circle back around to the to the dog jacking off. <laughs> I've already screwed any future background checks of drinking while recording and it's discussing. Fine. You weren't operating like heavy machinery. <laughs> it's fine. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to May We Geek Again. It's the stoned Iranian philosopher guy from the East Coast and the Jewish lesbian developer from down from Texas again. <laughs> again. Uh, joining you guys, it's Shaheen and Joe, you guys. And <laughs> we lost Jen. Uh, we're still in awe and shock and disbelief. Um, but... We already have a replacement, so... <laughs> no, you have so dry your eyes. <laughs> That's what happens, you know, it's not a rebound thing. Um, it's a Wait, real it's... deal. It's... Oh, so it's serious. Wait, does this make me the rebound? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you're, you're the rebound of, like, serial monogamists. So, like, you think that it's going to be, like, a one or two time thing, but then, like, three years later, and you're like, fuck, what happened? Like, this was just... It was supposed to be a rebound. It was supposed to be a rebound, and then, you know. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Shahi. Yeah, so it's the capital lawyer from the <laughs> capital city. Capital chick. <laughs> What's up? Hey, guys. Very happy to be here. Great. All right, so <laughs> what are we doing? We're talking about... This is episode 27. For not real, conf- this time, Yeah, right? not to be confused with last week's episode 27. Exactly. So this is the for real 27. Um, and we're talking about episode 10 of season four of the hundred called Die All Die Merrily by Aaron Ginsburg and Wade McIntyre. Um, for some reason, they always write together. So and that's a Henry the Fourth reference, right? Is it? Mm hmm. Well, clearly that was one of the Shakespearean plays that was was out of my, not one of the ones that we covered in my AP classes. I don't know which part, part one or, but yeah, it's a a Shakespearean reference. Man, I feel like I'm on (laughs) MetaStation. Yeah, so find us online. We're on Podbean, maybegeekagain.podbean.com. We're on iTunes. Are we on iTunes? Yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on iTunes, Maybe Geek Again. Uh, we have a Twitter. Um, it's all maybe geek again. Just everything. So I'm just not gonna say it again and again. We have, we have like email. a Pornhub account. <laughs> we have yeah, RedTube. Yeah, whatever you know. So we have we have a presence online. Tumblr, Facebook, we're out there. Um, and yeah. So before we get into it, how's everyone doing? What is, what's everyone drinking? Um, well, obviously, I guess you're probably having like water or tea, right? Since <laughs> well, you... I, uh, everyone reference episode 26 of 
maybe geek again for an explanation, extensive explanation of and a call um, to drugs. The manifesto. How I choose to alter my state of mind um, for this podcast. Yes. Okay. So what are you drinking? I'm drinking tea and I got some chocolate and of course I am. Are you pregnant? What? <laughs> Like, are you about to eat some pickles and mayonnaise, too? Like, what no. is tea and chocolate pregnant food, or am I missing something? I don't know. I just I've never been there. pregnant. Maybe. Is, it, so. is it? You're the authority on babies. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us have reproduced. There's so many of them. Um, yeah, chocolate. Basically, yeah. any carbohydrate. Okay. Yeah. As you are growing a human. Yes. Carbs. Yeah. Okay. So, enjoy being fertile, Shaheen. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. What are you drinking? That's easy. I, well, first, I'm super excited to be in Austin. I get to sit next to Joe Ooh. today. This is fun. So we, I'm drinking Austin Beer Works. This is my hair of the dog beer. Bloodwork Orange IPA. And I am drinking Austin East Ciders Blood Orange Cider. Um, this is both of our second beers since we, you know, had to line our bellies with beer before we put more beer on top of it um so who knows what what beer number three will be um but yeah just you know staying hydrated yeah. sweet yeah I'm not sure i also apologize are. because uh my voice is kind of fucked up i i was sick and i guess i was even sick last week but it's still not gone and i'm eating chocolate because <laughs> i'm a terrible host so <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, it's probably I'm gonna cough at some point. That's okay. But uh, I'll be alive. So if it sounds like I'm gonna die, probably, probably edit not. that out. So anyway. Okay. So you're um, Octavia. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, you need to believe that you're gonna live, Shaheen. You need to believe it. Yep. All right. So uh, yeah. So what's everyone's overall takes? CC, you, you want to go? Um, I loved it. Like this was, this was like a film. I mean, it was for an hour of television. It was, I thought, impressive from pretty much on any level. Like technically the sets look, Polis has never looked more, I thought, interesting. Um, Did they like, is Polis like a junkyard? Like we never really saw the sort of junkyard area of things. Oh my gosh, and I'm so excited that we now actually know where Polis is. Right, which is? Lithicum Heights, which is in Prince George's County, Maryland. And it's the above ground train you would take. It's like one stop away from BWI Airport. So there was a picture on Twitter in the background of... um, the actors that play Luna and Roan and Ilian, And in the back, they had sort of like the falling apart um, train station sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, 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 we'd never really gotten, I guess we had that one episode where Octavia and Roan were like conspiring in the alley right. with Ilian. That's the only time we've ever been like out in the street. But did they like make like the sort of like rabbit warren of like junk? Like, it, 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 I was definitely reminded of Murphy's, you know, you, you pray to garbage. Because that, like, all we saw was just, like, uh, you know, a maze of garbage. But, like, it was weird. Because I'm like, so all of the food stands that Kane went to, like, where did those go? Like, I kind of wonder, like, what... I wish we could have gotten, like, an aerial map of exactly where, I guess, the arena was. But, you know, that's that's just me. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I, we definitely got the most scenes from uh, Polis, both internal and external, um, this season than we've ever gotten. Um, so, yeah, but I think that uh, that is what Polis is. It's basically just built on the ruins of uh, whatever this town was um, near Baltimore or whatever. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just a bunch of, it's recycled or, or repurposed material, you know? Um, and we also got a nice shot of the inside of the tower. Um, you know, because the only, the only thing we seen so far from downstairs was the, the elevator area. Uh, and then we see the throne room and, and that, that floor, the top floor, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, this time we got like shots from the inside where, uh, you know, they were getting ready and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was a really why it was a wild ride, not only in terms of plot and what happened. And I mean, I can't even every, there was a fight scene every 10 minutes and like what that takes technically to film all of that and have it look the way that it did. But it also somehow made room for a lot of character moments and a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can talk about how that fits into like overall season four, but like as a standalone episode, I just thought it was like one of those hours of television. I'm going to remember. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say like I went into it with a certain amount of trepidation um, just because as I've mentioned on the pod, I, I take issue with Octavia's fighting prowess Um <laughs> And sort of this, like, somehow she is now, you know, a, a, a bloodthirsty prodigy, um, which she still is, for sure. She still shouldn't be as good as she is. But, like, my main complaints of, like, there's no fucking way that Octavia is going to, like, fight her way out of this. Um, they did a really good job of sort of addressing um, addressing that. And what I wanted sort of the victor to do, which was, you know, share it. Like, why Why wouldn't you do that? Um, and so, like, kind of everything that I wanted to happen happened. And then, of course, Clark Clarked and, you know, the internet exploded. Um, but yeah. overall, like, unbelievably good episode. Probably one of my absolute favorites, which is weird because I'm not a huge, like, Octavia. Not, I don't dislike Octavia, but she's never, like been my, like, reason for focusing on the show. And she was, I mean, Marie was just outstanding. What about you, Shaheen? Well, um, yeah, so I kind of think that what makes this episode great is also uh, one of the... um, what gives it most potential for being problematic, and that's, as I think both of you mentioned, um, character development and character work that happened in this episode. And so I'll admit that we needed a lot of character work Uh, And we got a lot of it in this episode, but we also needed to be paced well and to make sense. So um, we got a lot of very sort of sharp developments for Luna, Ilian, Octavia, even Clark. Um, They all took major turns this episode. Well, we're going to get into Clark's major turn for sure and whether or not it was a turn. Yeah, yeah, for (laughs) sure. But I just feel like I needed a little more background, a little more time with these each of these characters to mm-hmm. understand how they did their... Some of them did, like, 180s. 
uh, or something. And so anyway, we'll get into the details, but yep. um, yeah. So I think that a uh, great episode for anyone who cares about the characters. I would have um, loved. Like we do. Like, so what it's, you know, a typical 44 minute episode. I feel like not that this would have happened, but like if we had gotten a 50 or a 60 minute episode, um, just to get like a little bit more, um, like you're saying a little bit more time. Um, but I don't know if that would have happened in this episode or if we kind of would have needed to have seen, like, especially Luna, um, having seen sort of a little bit more of her progression, like in past episodes, if that makes sense. So I don't know if a longer this episode, cause this was really tight. Um, and I thought good, but anyway, we can, we can get along into that later. Yeah. So there aren't really distinct storylines in this episode, but, um, our very own Joe is put thought into this and divided the sub into three storylines i think right but i kind of feel like uh so we have one for uh the fighters which we're going to talk about mainly the stuff that happened on the battlefield uh and then the clan leaders um and the bunker i think are kind of the same it involves people like bellamy and indra indra and kane and Jaha and those people who are talking, Clark, you know. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about those probably after the break. All right, so let's get into the fighters. Um, who wants to go first? <laughs> Joe, uh, you want to go first? Uh, I mean, sure, sure. <clears throat> unless, unless you want to go first, Cece. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, I don't really have like too many notes on it. Uh, just, you know, I thought it was great. Um, I've, I, I wish that I had a way to talk to the writers or, and or stunt coordinators and sort of ask them if they were, some of the fight scenes felt a bit homage um, to me, the, the part where Luna and Octavia are fighting and Octavia's on her back and she like cuts the, like whatever line was holding like this parcel bushel of pipes that then fell on Luna. I yeah. swear it reminded me of, I want to say Terminator Sarah Chronicles, but I could be <laughs> totally wrong. Like I've definitely seen that happen. And like a Terminator or somebody like climbs out of this pile of pipes and like continues on their like murder spree. Um, so that actually reminded me of that. And then also uh, when Luna sort of ricocheted off the wall, parkoured off the wall and like stabbed the dude, was it not tree crew? It was some other tribe because uh, clan, because tree crew had already fallen. Um, sort of stabs him in the neck and then, you know, cuts their throat or whatever, stabs him in the gut. Um, totally reminded me of uh, Brad Pitt's Achilles in in Troy uh, at the very beginning, uh, where he kind of like jumps up and, you know, stabs the giant dude in the neck, you know, as, as, as the little guy. Um, so I, I, I wish that I had a way to ask um, sort of the stunt coordinators, you know, kind of what they did with their fight scenes. And then, you know, obviously we kind of had like a little bit of a Luna on the ground and Rowan hesitating less to stab her, but still, still kind of missed his, missed his opportunity. It was like the Lexa fight. It was exactly the Lexa fight. He even did the spin move, right? Yeah. He He did did Lexa Lexa spin spin move. move, And then again, he had a night blood on the ground. And again, he like was like, Oh, I should probably stab her. He switched his grip and stabbed and tried to stab. And I was just like, buddy, God, Damn it. Uh, at that moment, I was like, Rowan's dead. Yep. Like the moment that he missed that opportunity again. Um, kind of my only real issue with it. I loved I loved the uh, the echo bit. Um, obviously, the, the work that we got to see with Bellamy and Rowan and sort of Octavia spying on on that conversation, I thought was great. Like, I'm sure that, you know, people who, who love the Blake siblings enjoyed that. Um, but I was kind of disappointed. I, I felt like Luna's turn was a bit rushed. And I know that we have evidence for it. I know that we have evidence that 
you know, they fucked her over repeatedly on Becca's Island. Um, you know, it makes sense the way that she feels, excuse me, but, um, it was, we didn't, we haven't seen her in like two episodes. And so it was just kind of like, oh, now Luna's pissed. Like I needed more of that leading up to it. Um, yeah, to let, really... let's talk about Luna yeah. and, and, yeah, and feel, her turn. So, I cause like... I think I 100% agree with you, um, Joe, about her turn. Like, I believe it. It makes sense. Like, absolutely. Obviously, she hates humanity now, but... Uh, well, but so it's, there's <laughs> two... La- so there, uh, to me, there's yeah, two things. Down. So one is Luna as the pacifist, right? And and so coming back and sort of embrace... I, I, if you just step back on a story level, there were two things that were sort of the... Things about Luna that had been teased since last season. And the first is that she left the conclave. Yeah. And what a big deal it was for her to do that in their culture and that she had like dishonored herself. And so you have this sort of thread hanging out there that Luna is the nightblood that left the conclave and didn't fulfill sort of what her society expected her to do. And second, that her fighting prowess is such that, you know, she says to Clark, I would have beaten Lexa. I would have... Quick will, actually. If this bitch is such a pacifist and doesn't practice, there is no fucking way that she would be quite so sharp and limber to be able to, like, just enter this fucking conclave with 24 hours notice. I'm sorry. Continue. So, I, I bet... All right. So, on a story level, mm-hmm. I, I loved that they teased that she had deserted the conclave, that she had this, like, you know, skill. And then she finally comes back to a conclave... Mm-hmm. And, you know, they recall it when she comes up and Gaia's like, I know you and you're the nightblood that that left. But she comes back and she's doing it not as what was originally intended. So she's not doing it to be a leader. She's coming back to basically kill everyone, screw everyone. And it fulfilled all of these things that had been teased about her character. Like if what were the two things that you wanted to see Luna do from the first time, at least for me, it was, I, I want to see her, I want to see her fight. Yeah. And having her come back to the conclave, it was just a great story. Sure. So on that level, but, but have her come back and have it be, she is like almost like an agent of chaos. It is her coming back on her own terms and she's not playing to fulfill sort of the point of the game that everybody has, which she had a problem with the point of the game before and how it was sure. played. And she comes back and she's shifting it to be on her own terms. So on that, on that level of the story, I thought it was a great way for her character to go out and fulfill what they had always teased as the potential of Luna. I, guess- I mean, I think I, everything that you say makes sense, Cece. Um, it makes sense that she, um, is really good at this conclave game because we know that about her background. Uh, it makes, uh, and that she's generally a good fighter, good warrior. Um, and it makes sense that, um, she struggled with this, um, whole killing thing and with the desire to kill or with the necessity of killing other people and stuff like that. One thing that wasn't too clear uh, for me anyway, was whether she um, was just, did we ever get any confirmation that she was like just a bloodthirsty person before? I don't think so. I think the idea was like, 
she was in this she was just going along with the culture she killed her brother in the first round of the con- conclave and then she was uh, paired up with Lexa and then she decided to uh, flee and so it wasn't clear if she was she just got sick of the violence um, or she was some in some sense running away from herself and it seems like now we're suddenly told it's like revealed in this episode that yeah she was actually uh like a the former addict or something that now is having a relapse well she um, talked about that with i mean they laid a they did lay some groundwork this season. when did she say that i used to be like i Murphy. used to really love killing well she she talked about a darkness and a self-hatred when she talked with murphy um well, and at the end with Octavia of talking about how she looked at her brother, like after, you know, like as she saw him across from her uh, in the conclave and was like, she looked at him and was like, I need to walk out of like, I need to be the one who wins. And like, I think that that's certainly a moment of like, realizing that, yeah, you're going to value your own life over, you know, over your brother. Which, which- is also an interesting parallel that I just I had hadn't occurred to me that. You've got Luna and you've got Octavia, both of whom their relationship with their brothers are this sort of big turning point. I mean, we've never seen Luna with her brother, but killing her brother is is probably pretty significant. Right. Um, And you have that parallel with the two of them, Um, especially since Octavia said, you know, she kind of wanted to kill her brother. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I guess so. Yeah. So it's just that like, like, Joe was saying it was it was rushed. Like all of this is being dumped on us in this one episode. I, I see. I um, didn't. I so for Luna. If you take Luna's story overall, mm-hmm. so she's picked out as a nightblood. She is raised with this idea that you're going to either die or have to kill however many other people to, to sort of fulfill your destiny. And those are the rules of our society. She flees that. She goes out and creates like a society in exile um, out on an oil rig, tries to basically leave what she thinks is the worst of humanity behind her. So then you have Sky Crew bringing out Allie to that oil rig last season and Clark trying to force the flame on her and violate like her body and her consent. Um, And she doesn't. She could have done a lot of things. What she chose to do is just to expel them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't hurt them. She didn't do anything. Then you have another man-made disaster kill everyone she knows through people eating the fish with the radiation. But that, again, is caused by man. Then she goes to Sky Crew for help. And the official answer actually would have been no for the radiation pills, according to Raven, had Murphy not stolen them. And then she stays, Raven, she and Raven have that debate basically about mankind where she's basically like mankind is horrible and and not worth saving. And Raven is like, no, it is. So she stays and she donates her bone marrow. And then what happens? Her consent is violated again and they take her bone marrow. So like from her perspective, it didn't surprise me that she showed up and raised the question that I think has been not really raised all season is when we've been debating all of these utilitarian one versus the many, the assumption underlying all these debates is that mankind should be saved. I mean, but, but, but here's my kind of issue with Luna's thing. Like 
why doesn't she just say peace the fuck out and like why does she so in a a weird way she almost parallels Clark but in Mm -hmm. sort of like the the opposite side of that coin where what gives Luna the right to decide who lives and who dies and you right. know, she mm-hmm. she makes sort of the the opposite decision of I I will do everything in my power to prevent mankind from from surviving. But at the same time, I'm just kind of like, you know what? Like that's not your decision. It's sort of a bit judgy. Like people are shitty. People have always been shitty. This is not new. You just happen to grow up in an especially shitty time in human you know in human history. Um, but what right do you have to say mankind does not deserve to survive? Um, right. So notice that uh, Luna is taking a major turn here because Luna has always been criticized for sitting by the side and letting. Um, so she's being the... proactive now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So like we, you know, people who criticize Luna, they always said like, "Well, uh, you don't get to just be like, yeah, I don't care. I have the power to stop this bloodshed, but I don't care. I'm just gonna be on my rig." You know, um, but now she's going a step further and she's saying, I'm going to actively go and make sure no one survives. And the reason that she gives is that uh, the only thing that is in this episode, as far as I know, is Sky Crew taught me that people are selfish to the core. Now, I'm not sure what Sky like, Crew did. How is that did. new information? Exactly. That What did Sky Crew do that was so new that taught her that? And what gave her this? How did she figure that she gets to decide? Who deserves to live? This is all th- stuff that we need to know. Like, I didn't take her for this type of person. She just felt And it. I also feel like there's this stereotype that, like, pacifists might just snap and become, like, serial murderers. I don't think this is a good way to, like, present pacifists. Well, now. Just, I, know, I, mean, in, I don't know, Charlene. Maybe you just haven't been pushed hard enough. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think if you look, though, she was not always a pacifist, Right. So she participated in a conclave before and killed her brother and then tried to run away and almost put on a a persona or a philosophy to try and, I mean, in the dialogue with Octavia and earlier on with Murphy, it was, there's a darkness inside me. And so going out to that rig and trying on this pacifist persona was a way to run away from that. But is that, is that darkness within her or is it just human nature? Yeah. Like, is that what she's afraid of? She doesn't like human nature. Not that she doesn't like Sky Crew for being shitty. Because, like, yeah, Sky Crew is fucking shitty. Like, I mean, but she's also, you know, you can are, and I've seen people debating, it's not just Sky Crew, right? Yeah, and no, everyone's came, shitty. But she's talking to she, Octavia. She called out Sky Crew. Um, and that's who Octavia is fighting for. So I, I guess is that, she? Well, right. But, um, <laughs> or that's who she's representing. Yeah. But... I mean, you know, there are a lot of, I I get what you're saying, Shane. There's a lot of big turns. um, And I don't know if some of it is just constrained by how many episodes can they get Nadia Hilker for. And sometimes they opt for the surprise moment of whether it's Luna walking into the conclave or Clark in the bunker and all the things she's already done. And they opt for the surprise or like last year, Jasper taking the chip. Mm -hmm. And they opt for that dramatic moment. Yeah. And sacrifice showing us how the character got there. Or like last season with Bellamy and the massacre, he makes the decision and then we hear the rationale afterwards. Yeah. Um, And they go for the dramatic moment and then maybe explain. 
Maybe they explain it. Maybe they don't. Maybe, maybe they, they don't. And that's a calculation. I, I didn't, you know, if you pick it apart afterwards, I see what the complaints are. She just felt a little like villainous, if you will, like, like with a capital V but and I, like a twirling mustache. And, by and the she end of didn't, it. and she didn't as much to me because the debates that we've all been having all season. Um, and I'm laughing because it's been like hours with Danny and Bubbles <laughs> debating these. You know, it, there's been a lot of moral dilemmas. This season has been chock full of them. Oh, the the water reclamation? All, all of it from 402 all the way yeah. through. From 402 to when I was watching the, you know, the um, bone marrow with Luna. Is that um, 408 I don't, with somewhere. Clark taking I, well, I mean, the night like, blood? My girlfriend all, and I argued about it for like an hour and a half after the episode aired. I was like, I need to go to bed. I have to work tomorrow. Yeah, and all of, so all of these dilemmas, the thing that I keep coming back to is in order to make these calculations about the few versus the many, and there's this whole theme of free will that is that is running throughout and, and who is making decisions on behalf of who and taking away other people's free will. And you can argue Jaha and Clark did in this episode on one end of the spectrum of trying to save humanity and Luna trying to end humanity is doing it as well. But the thing that has bothered me is that there are some characters that think there is no line that you shouldn't cross because saving humanity is such a worthwhile goal that any line is worth crossing. That. Where, where do you fall on that line? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there have been times watching this season. <laughs> this is where you have to announce it. Yeah, like, yeah. This, is, this is like everyone. I'm going to ask you, Shaheen, and as I well. feel. I like, mean, this is a cards on the table type of podcast. I mean, we have yeah. a eugenicist. <laughs> We well, have, so you know, we we have a person who thinks we should take away we should take away individuality. Like I've defended that multiple times on this podcast. So I just think it's a de- it's the question that this well, the show has asked from the beginning from sure. the pilot, right? Survival versus deserving to survive is that a real question or is survival all that matters? Or when I'm watching that. And I think you were saying when you were talking about it with Girlfriend, that episode with Luna and the bone marrow, I was in such like shock and horror and like Mr. Chick and I like screaming at the television because the removal of consent and free will, it was just, how could this all be, if this is, how could it all be worth? But it's one life. But the goal, you have to agree that the goal is worth it. And that's what Luna was raising this episode. And I'm glad it may have been a little, you know, she was well, like, like strutting said, though, in her stingray costume. It's stingray. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, badass. Like it was a cool, like the costume department, A+. plus. Yeah. But I thought it was, I'm glad that the show raised, we may not have got as much of a buildup as we wanted, but I'm glad that the show raised the question in that way. With Luna saying, even in our final days, the way we are choosing to solve this problem is by killing each other. And that's not, people were saying, why can't people just be rational and come up with a solution? Well, in the real world, humans aren't rational and we've solved most of our disputes with violence. And so I I just thought it was an interesting point to raise through her. Um, And maybe it doesn't mesh quite with like her going out and killing everyone, doesn't mesh with the pacifist that we had gotten to know in season three. I guess I kind of just didn't expect her char- character to give a fuck as much. You know, like, as soon as this conclave shit was happening, she would have just been like, you know what, fuck this. 
I'm out. And like not shown up to the conclave, not rolled up in polis and was like, hold on, there's one more fighter. You know, like given her, like it sort of felt like going from, I don't think you guys should survive. Um, but like, I'm done participating in this, in this ridiculous nonsense to like, I am actively going to try to kill humanity. Like, I think that was kind of my issue with it of like, since when does like Luna care that much? But I kind of love that they created this monster. You know, the last time we saw her, she was trying to leave and Roan sweet, her. sweet Roan who thinks oh. he's kind of a badass. Roan oh, knocked her Roan. out and they strapped her down to a table and they did exactly what she thought is that I'm not actually here of my own free will. I'm a prisoner. And she was right. Can and her- we pour one out for my sunken ship? <laughs> like, see mechanic. mechanic. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, no, but... So I totally get the, this, maybe this seems like it happened fast and maybe they went for a little bit. She kind of vamped it up in this episode, yeah. but I, yeah. I, I kind of, I mean, it might have just the, been the directing. But I'm that. glad that somebody raised the question. So we've well, seen. Well, so here's all- the thing though, like there's the character aspect of it, but there's also in terms of the question, which I agree with you is an interesting question. But like you said, this question has been raised since, uh, you know, season one, episode one, um, when, you know, when, uh, Abby was talking to Kane, right? So um, the question has always been there. Um, it's It hasn't happened very often on this show that someone has actually taken the side of, no, we don't deserve to survive, right? So that's kind of new. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I guess um, I'm kind of with Joe on this and that there's it was a little rushed. But I agree with you, Cece, that it was... I mean, interesting. It, it was still fun to watch. And, yeah, it's a minor yeah. gripe. Like her becoming like a, a a villain with a capital V. Like fine. Like it's it. It wasn't my preference, and I wish that it could have had like a little bit more bre- build up in the immediate pre- you know predecessing episodes. Because um, yeah. she kind of disappeared, I think, for like two episodes at least. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, where's Luna? Um, I I wish that we that they could have pushed some of her conversations into those episodes, like a follow up yeah. conversation with Raven, because Raven ultimately stood by and let that happen. To yeah, Luna. like have Raven be like, dude, yeah. I'm. And really you were right. Sorry. I actually I didn't remember that conversation. That was a sort of a precedent where, um, but even then, like, well, even then, Luna's. Guilt was sort of just uh, bailing out and saying, yeah, I know I'm the only one who can save humanity, but I don't care. Well, so, it I was mean, still that, different. That but com- yeah, so he was on that. The conversation that with Raven set up what happened in this episode. Wait, the conversation on the dock? No. Yeah. So the dock, when, Octa- when, when um, Luna wanted to leave, she basically was like, humanity is terrible and we're not worth... And Raven was like, and Raven was like, well, but think about when you were holding that girl and she was dying and human connection and there are people worth saving and you can do that. And And blah, blah, blah. And there's drones. So if you can get convinced right now, that would be awesome. That would be really nice. But then, so then she, she took the gamble and she could have left on that boat and she stayed. And what happened to her? So I didn't find it as, I wasn't surprised that she showed up super pissed. I mean, I guess, like, she sort of goes between, like, giving a fuck and not giving a fuck. And so, like, I'm just kind of like, well, listen, you know, if you thought that they were so bad, then you should have just left. And granted, they wouldn't have let you leave. Like, listen, I'm sorry, Luna. Your life is forfeit right now. You are the last Nightblood and you're the last 
hope for humanity, you should not be at all surprised when they tie you down and take your bone marrow. It's fucked up. It's not right. Um, but I don't think that when it is a life or death choice, you can argue for morality because you did the same fucking thing when you stood across from your brother in the conclave. You chose yourself. I mean, the question is, was that a um, sort of transformative experience for Luna or not? She didn't really go into what specifically Sky Crew had done. Was it the, the whole bone marrow thing? Uh, I mean, that's certainly not new. I mean, she knew about the mountain men before and you know they, they were under the uh uh mount, mount weather rule or tyranny or whatever yeah but this happened uh, to for her decades right and it only matters if it happens to me fuck everyone else well <laughs> i think it's human nature well, yeah that's human nature i mean that happened to her i mean she experienced yeah. firsthand her free will being taken away and her body clark tried to violate her body in season three and it was averted by trying to put the flame in her body and this time it was successful and they had her strapped down and took her bone marrow so if you walked away from that experience and then you hear that the way mankind is going to figure out who lives and dies is more fighting is more war wouldn't that actually piss the pacifist off I mean, I mean, again, like, yeah. I, I, well, I'm not yeah. upset with where her mind went. I I just wanted more exposition leading up to this episode. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And there are a lot of characters on the show, so you can't get. Well, right. I mean, it's a. I just really liked Luna. As sad as yeah. I am about the characters that died this episode, we have 13 episodes and a huge cast. And a lot of these, the fucking and herd. a lot of these things that we want, these character moments, these moments to pause and check in with different characters' mental states. Not enough time. There's not enough time. You have 13 episodes yeah. and you have a huge cast, and so there's a downside. So to that. what you're saying is CW needs to once again pull back on the DC shows. Stop with the 22 Jesus, episodes. Give them 16 episodes. Give them 16 episodes in this, you know, because our cast is so much bigger. Get better special effects on the DC shows and move on. Yeah. Is that? Ooh. Okay, cool. Now <laughs> yeah, that we All have right. that figured well, out. With yeah. that, let's move on from Luna. <laughs> um, can we just mention real quick that it was finally confirmed that Luna is flu crew. And so this still, I'm not still entirely sure if her rig was the entire flu crew. Yeah. Um, that's what it sounds like. I have I'm a lot leaning of towards yes. <laughs> They had honest? an ambassador with the beard, right? Yeah, and so yeah, and that three? has its own problems. Like, how come they have an ambassador if they're, uh, you know, if they're isolationists and they don't want anything to do with the coalition? But is the, well, here's, wars. I mean, there's, I like there's a fish. lot of well, there's a well actually about that. There's a well actually when they were putting people in the bunker and they said factory stations on this floor, and I said, but I thought Mel was the sole survivor of factory station. Well, he gets his own floor. She gets she, her Mel. Me? Mel gets her own floor. The chick hanging off the cliff. Oh, her. She. What? That was factory station, right? Oh, her. Yeah. And she was supposed to be the sole survivor. Well, Bellamy well, she is gets from a factory lot of station. Is he um, sector seven? Yeah. Bellamy is. Yeah. So Bellamy, Octavia, and Mel get their own floor. That sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll let go of, yeah. of some of these things, I guess. Um. Yeah. All right. So, Ilian. Can we talk about Ilian? Surprisingly, like, I was not on board when they introduced, like, as soon as we met Ilian, I was like, ugh, for fuck's sake. Really? Um, I guess, Can I like- just say, like, dude, you don't sign up for, like, a Russian roulette 
to woo the girl you've been sleeping <laughs> with like that you've already slept with her dude, like get the fuck on. out of there like you got it already um, yeah man like i thought he was a good actor no he did a great job like he surprised me in the way that they wrote his character and the way they sort of like took it like when he showed up and octavia's like the fuck are you doing here he's like bitch i'm not here for you and i was like <laughs> damn yeah, yeah it's just like i happen to be crossing the street right now yeah it's not because <laughs> yeah. you're getting out of the guitar class i wasn't and by the way i, I, I saw i class. saw that look in your eye when in the last episode where she was like you were a warrior yeah mm-hmm. he was like you don't know everything about me i got secrets girl i don't tell you everything i don't i don't yeah. i didn't give you the passcode to my phone you don't know what i do uh, i was um I, I i thought he did a pretty good job because he's only been around for a few episodes and when the arrow went through his neck it was like oh well i Here's the thing, like, the, sh- the episode did a really good job of sort of killing off people in a way that was totally believable, but made it so that, like, I didn't have to roll my eyes at anything about Octavia. Well, and the other thing, so, and um, I don't know if you guys read Meg, Meg said, who says things, mm-hmm. she writes up her reviews, I think, on Cuddle Buggery. She made the point that in this is the first episode all season where Octavia has treated death reverently hmm. so when at the beginning of the episode and Rone does the thor like hammer yeah. to the guys that head. was i was surprised that like we didn't cut away like three frames earlier like you saw a connection and i was like damn uh, yeah but she was saying your fight is over yeah and saying what the the, the grounder but like to be ritual. fair that was tree crew tree crew had fallen and but she, she still says been killing people left and right but she's still you know she has a little, little heart in her you know, well but that's what was interesting about it is okay. we haven't seen her do that all epi- all season but this episode every time somebody died it was registering with her she was giving them whether it was the tree crew ritual of your fight is over or with Ilian repeating the trishana crew um ritual about reincarnation she was stopping and sort of according death not taking pleasure in it she was no longer being a petulant teenager rolling her eyes and murder being like, baby i don't care right whatever which i thought was an interesting point and that drunken had, wife <laughs> for fuck's sake no one understood drunken wife yeah yeah i don't want to talk about drunken wife <laughs> <laughs> well, i don't know i don't know what's so complicated about that analogy Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so we liked Ilian. I like that we got to see Ilian. that he was kind of like a badass warrior. And he kind of, I mean, he was the exact perfect character for who they needed to set up Octavia with after Lincoln. Like he was kind of this dude who was like, I'm into you, but like, I get you got, I get that you have your own shit going on. I'm not trying to be all over you. Like, honestly, I'm just trying to make an alliance because it would just make sense. But like, fine, whatever. I mean, granted, he was a little thirsty coming after her and saving her life. But then, you know, arrow to the throat. I guess it's all forgiven. Um, <laughs> I appreciated the moment where he was like, you promised you would kill me. And reminding Octavia that she needed to kill again even though she didn't want to, that this was a moment where Octavia did not want to kill another person, but it was a mercy kill. He was begging her to not let him just die. Yeah, it reminded me of Adam. Yeah, it was totally... In season one with Clark. Yeah, of just like, you gotta kill this person right now. Like... 
you well, need to and do. I, what I liked also about it is that, you know, in part Octavia won because of utilizing the girl under the floor and the fighting skills that Indra taught to her. But she also survived because of the relationship she had with other people. Mm-hmm. She would have been dead if Il- she was up one against three. And Ilian came down yeah. and saved her. And same thing with like facing. She never would have when she formed that alliance with Roan. And that Rowan was like, you lied to me. You hurt my fucking feelings. <laughs> like Rowan is such a sensitive flower. And he was like genuine. Like he was like, fuck Clark. She's a shady bitch. But you, I expected better from you. We, <laughs> I thought we were cool. And you hurt my feels and you lied to my face. And that stung. I appreciated that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it was also not just touchy-feely, you need other people, you can't go it alone, but it actually a consequences in the battle mm-hmm. that she didn't do it by herself. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting considering how she was brought up where, I mean, yes, she had her family, you know, but she was brought up basically alone in the sense that, like... You can't trust anyone. You can't trust anyone. Like, right. you can't trust anyone outside of your blood. And these were people who, like you know had 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 proven that that they could be trusted i guess i guess it's sort of octavia in a weird way was kind of a, a an interesting mirror to luna mm-hmm. um in that luna was always around people and was in the conclave and was always told that a, a commander is alone and luna or, and and octavia had sort of received the very same message of like you're alone there's no one that you can trust and they both kind of arrived at very different conclusions by the end of it I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm reaching. But I don't know so, what. I, mean, I don't know what else. So to going say. back to Ilian. Yeah. What do we? What do we think Ilian's actual motivation is? Is he really there to fight for Trishana crew? I think he's kind of a simple guy. I think maybe yeah. Like, I think it was. I don't want to fight, but I've been asked to fight, and okay. Like, I don't think he thought that he was going to win. I mean, this is someone who, from the moment that we met him, was weighed down by the guilt of what he'd done, but in a different different way than Octavia. Um, I I mean, Iliad has sort of been this whole season what the writers needed him to be. So at the beginning of the season, he was the anti-tech guy, and then he was sort of like the, the... The... human connection that Octavia was able to... Fucking cave sex. The moment there was a cave, I was like, cool, so when are they going to bang in the cave? Um, But also, he seemed, in the last episode, he was at peace with dying. Like, he was sowing those seeds in the field, and it wasn't for him. It was for the people who were coming, and he was saying, at least we know when our death is coming. So, yeah, I mean, it was a... Yeah, I guess he didn't care to die. Right. I don't think he even necessarily expected to win. I think that if the alliance had happened and it had been Octavia versus Ilian, or not, Oct- yeah, like at the very end, if it had been Octavia versus Ilian, I don't think he would have killed her. It just felt like a guy who signed up for a Russian roulette to impress the girl he already slept with. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, I'm sorry. So it's what just you're like saying, he's, I mean, episode, Ilian doesn't, that's just what it felt like. Beta as fuck, is that. I mean, Ilian doesn't exist other than to prop up Octavia's story this season, right? <laughs> so, so he just got fridged. Is that he got mail fridged? He got he got mail fridged. Well, I don't know if it's. I don't think his death really like 
is a turning point necessarily for Octavia, but his we only got him for a handful of eight episodes. episodes. I mean, he wasn't in every one. Yeah. He was introduced to us in 402. I, I would it was he's sad a, that he died. Boy. He's a great actor. I liked the whole Trishana crew. I wish we could have seen that um, thing that they had filmed that I guess it's going to be in the outtakes of the Trishana crew burial. Oh, really? Yeah. So when uh, Jason Rothenberg went on Metastation, he talked about how they had filmed it. There were some pictures that were out about these structures attached to trees that look like giant cocoons. Hmm. So the Trishana crew burial is that when someone dies, they're wrapped up with the butterfly larva. What? And the larva <laughs> consumes the corpse and then is reborn. And that's like the physical representation of their belief in reincarnation, which I thought was super cool. I'm sad we didn't get that. It's See? like both really um, like, oh, what's the right word? Not morbid, but um, I mean, it's a little morbid. It's a little morbid, but um, no, macabre. Oh, there we go. So it's like macabre, but it's also kind of beautiful. And it was, would have, have been. Pull out, pull out the dictionaries now. <laughs> That's I why mean, you don't have a lawyer on the podcast. I know, right? Like, la, la, la. I went to, wait, you, you're getting a PhD in philosophy. Seriously. Like, podcast. I have never used the word, what? Macabre? Yeah. English major, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just Uh-oh. totally n- n- canceled that out by saying dude. Yeah, dude. But dude. <laughs> um, so can we talk about Echo? Yes. Okay. Um, only because, well, first of all, her mask totally reminded. So I, I didn't get a 90s movie One reference action. last week, but we're going to go with uh, Three Ninjas. Um Kids movie of the 90s. They all, these three, these three brothers get to wear these like masks um, as they are like learning the great art of ninjutsu from their, for some reason, Japanese uncle, grandfather. I don't know, but the kids are all white. It's all very confusing, but whatever. Um, the mask totally reminded me of that, but I was kind of like, oh, so Echo is the Clark of Asgeta. Yeah. Like. Which they set us up to have that reaction to someone cheating. Yeah. Yeah. And lulling us into that it was going to be a character much clip. But for you to sit there and be like, fucking Echo. Oh, fucking Asgeta. Again, right? And um, I, I thought that actress all season, is it Tasia Tellis? Yeah. Is her? So she all season has done so much with just her face and not even lines. So when Roan banished her <laughs> and she was almost on the verge of tears, it was great. Like yeah. you felt almost I felt she was sorry trying to help her. Like how is it this whole construct of who gets to survive is fucking ridiculous. So she's going to like help someone along because she's just trying to like make sure people survive and she was there during that conversation with Roan and with Clark. Yeah. And Clark was like, I'm just trying to save humanity and if Luna wins, we're all fucked. And so what Echo did is no different than what Clark did. I remember when... In fact, it's even... Well, is it... So she's taking out other clans. Yeah. I I guess if well, it's this in is service a, to Rome. a problem with the game in a way. <laughs> because, yeah, this is kind of my... Well, actually, I guess. We'll get to that later. But, like, it's not clear that she's actually helping the odds of her own clan by eliminating others. I'm not sure... If your chances of winning, how they correlate with the number of people who are alive, I, I have a feeling that it doesn't correlate. 
with how many people are alive? I don't know. Well, it goes um, both ways, right? It's someone that could attack Rome, but that's also that same person could take out a competitor. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my one of my big well actuallys was why didn't the 12 combatants just all gang up on Luna right to start? Because people are stupid. And take her out. Right? Because she's the one to worry she's about. The one, she's the one person where everyone dies. Yeah. She should be target number one. Yeah. And, and I don't care what how great a fighter she is. She if can't take out on 12. One, then just take her or out. 11, because Octavia would hide. Octavia would not be a part of that nonsense. But still, 11 on one, you take her out. And, and if she wins, honestly, okay. I mean, humanity does not deserve to survive. Well, that's the other well, actually. <laughs> is even if she won... She's then one person facing a sea of humanity saying, like, and who's, really, how is she going to enforce that? I mean, but then do we listen to Kane where he's like, no, 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 they'll, they'll listen if we win. They'll listen. Yeah, but. Mm. Well, I want to have the whole Kane. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that. But. So since we were talking about who killed who, um, who, how many people do you think each of these people killed? Like, how do, how many people do you think Roan killed? Well, he killed at least two. He killed uh-huh. Tree Crew and the other hammer yeah. to the head. Yeah. Do you uh, know, or how many people do you think uh, Echo killed or, or Luna? We saw Echo kill two. If you can, she, she shot someone with the arrow that we saw and then, and then Ilian. So I have it all mapped out. You want to hear it? Yeah. Yes. All right. So <laughs> Roan kills. <laughs> this is the geek part of the podcast. Uh, yes. Guys. We gotta this, get is, this is so, the geek part? <laughs> so, the Plain Riders champion and the Woods Clan, that's Tree Crew champion, were killed by Roan. And that's it. So, he killed two people. That's the two people that we saw on the screen. And then the Delphi Crew champion is killed by the Rockline champion. The Rockline champion is killed by Ilian. I, ass- I assume that's in that fight. So, that's the only person that Ilian killed. Um, and so, then Octavia the killed the other champion. two? What's that? Wait, so Octavia killed the other two? Well, so Octavia killed the Broadleaf champion in that fight. That's the um, three-way fight. Yeah. But right, were, so when were... they ganged up on them, the Rockland champion and the Broadleaf champion. And I take it the Delphi crew champion was also in that fight. How do you remember the and name And he of was killed the by the Rockland champion. Remember one of the guys killed the other one in the middle of that fight? Dude, how do you remember the name of like every single fucking clan? I, I researched it, dude. It's super so impressive. Then, Jesus. Okay. All right. So that's that. And then Ilian was killed by Echo. He was from Glowing Forest. Uh, and then the Desert Clan champion is also killed by Echo. Uh, the Blue Cliff champion, Blue Cliff Clan champion, is killed by the Lake People champion. And the Lake People champion is killed by Luna. Um, so I think that was like one of the last four. So the last four were uh, Rowan from Asgeta, Luna from Flo- Flowcrew. Uh, Octavia from Sky Crew and the Lake People champion. So Luna killed that woman, I think it was a woman. And then uh, she also killed the Shallow Valley champion sometime off screen. We didn't see it. And then so when it comes to the last four, last three. So it's it was interesting how the, all the deaths, deaths happened, the manner in which the killing happened. So Echo kills Ilian by cheating. <laughs> um Classic Echo style. Classic Echo. Um, <laughs> Luna kills Rowan by exploiting her genetic advantage. Wait, what's her genetic advantage? That she was impervious to the Black Rain. Here's the thing. 
it still fucking hurts. Like, I mean, granted, Rowan was slightly handicapped because he looked directly into the rain and then fell in his fucking eyeballs. <laughs> like, okay. But I wouldn't exactly, like, that, that I would, I would argue is a well actually of like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't hurt her. Yes, it does. She just heals from it. Like, she doesn't heal from it instantly. When she showed up at, at, at Sky Crew, she was still like, had lesions and shit all over her. So it's kind but of like. She inge- but she ingested it. I, I don't, I mean, we don't, we don't know, right? She can take the pain. I, I would think that it would at least break her skin and that she would also be like, you know what? Fuck this. Cause she's not immune to it. She just is able to heal from it. So that was kind of an issue. I mean, I the had. whole thing is unrealistic because it, it, like it, it hurts on contact mm-hmm. and then you're it's not like, like she doesn't in, feel pain. immune. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, Anyway, and then finally Octavia kills Luna by hiding under the floor. Was she hiding under the floor? She actually, but then, but the thing that's so, she like dripped her blood on purpose. Yeah, she did a little fake out yeah. to the little closet. But wasn't she in the closet? Like she was in another closet? or was she, she was hiding somewhere, somewhere else waiting for Luna to we follow. We just didn't know where she was hiding. Right. To follow the blood drops. Right. She just basically set a trap. Yes. It was pretty great. Yeah. Okay, so we want to talk about Octavia and the Ogeta stuff. <laughs> you, which you found pretty cheesy? Yes. I think the Ogeta stuff is pretty cheesy. And the what? I, I have it here in the notes together, that that's all I'm going to say, but you know that's not true. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, okay, first of all, like, how is that going to solve anything? I thought the problem was that um, we can't do Ogeta. Ogeta not working, Okay. Like, that was the problem. These people can't live together. So, um, you know, yeah. So, I don't know how, like, if just someone just comes along and just says, yeah, let's get along. Is that all they needed? Well, um, So, that's part of the problem. But I also don't, I mean, I don't, again, this is another character movement. Um, like, is this really where Octavia is? How did she get here? It was all kind of, I don't know, cheesy. Going I mean, back to cheesy. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's if anytime anyone's trying to unite people, it's cheesy and wait, wait sorry, I was we're, we're having a technical issue. Um, are, are we talking about just are we talking about Octavia now? Yeah. So I think so. Okay, so before we skip to the end of the together, can we okay. go back? I, I, I again, like Luna, thought that this was. The way that all these different pieces of the story came together with Octavia in this episode, I thought was pretty great. And I haven't been super... I've struggled a little bit with Octavia's story this season. Um, I think looking back on it, it's been frustrating, but maybe that's okay to not have... And maybe more realistic to have a character struggling with her identity and with grief and not have it follow sort of this like linear arc. I guess we've been struggling with Octavia's identity though for four fucking seasons. Yeah. Right. But her lack of a, de- her lack, what well, I like. She's a character without any affiliation, any official well, identity. And that's what I thought was so great about that actually ends up her lack of identity, which yeah. has been what's plagued her for four seasons actually solved the problem. This episode. Yeah. She's the person and that... And I get that this is what Lincoln would have wanted, but I don't get how all of a sudden this is coming back to her. 
you know? Well, she used... I mean, it's what I wanted to happen. Like, it's what should have happened before... Like, I argued last week that I thought that the, like, solo uh, conclave was, like, the dumbest thing ever when we don't have time for this bullshit. You know, everyone should just get to pick 100 people and just move on from there. Well, but this... And this goes to... So I want to come back so quickly. So Octavia's story is basically that she utilized many pieces of what different people taught her to get to that point at the end of the episode, right? So the only reason why she knows how to fight the way that she knows how to fight is in part because of Lincoln, but mostly because of Indra. Fucking Indra. Right. And then her brother reminds her of what their mother, you know, the way they were raised and the lessons that their mother taught her. There, you have that moment between Indra and Kane where Kane is like, you know, you taught her and Indra said a warrior, a warrior chief is of what but one council, right? Meaning Indra taught her to fight, but Kane has also been. He's dad. One of, but he's been one of the few characters that has been trying to achieve unity since season two. Um, so, it, you know, she fights with Indra's sword. It's with advice from Bellamy and Kane. It, I thought story-wise it was a really great culmination. Octavia is more of a uniter than Clark. Yeah. And sure. the reason, and I don't know if this is, we'll get to when we talk about Clark. Octavia proposed the same solution Clark did in the last episode of We Share It. The difference is how she went about doing that and that she didn't just tell people we should share. Which has been Clark's problem. You don't, she just tells people this is the best idea and then she doesn't persuade them octavia went through this grounder even though we look at it and we're like this is like a ridiculous way to solve problems but she went through it came out on the other side of it showing their respect winning their respect and then proposes the solution and so it's the way it's the process of getting their buy-in that why she is able to achieve that solution, even if the solution in of itself was the same thing that Clark had proposed last episode. Which, on the one hand, I totally get that. It's great that it's great that her character did that. But, like, again, we have lost a day in but the difference, arriving at the but same the cl- difference, solution. But, Joe, I mean, the difference is, even if you get what Clark was saying the last episode, we should just share it. The yeah. problem is, who decides? What do you mean who? Who are you going to let decide who gets what? Everyone gets an equal amount. Clan leaders decide who gets to live. But you have to first convince people that you shouldn't just take it, right? Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you're if people would get their heads out of their asses and be rational about but this. But the difference is everyone, in by the end of this episode, everybody went through the process of seeing their flame extinguished, thinking no, that their I, shot was over. I totally get that. Like, I get that the process needed to happen in this world, but I kind of wish that it had just been like, so Luna's proposing that you all die. Or or if Luna had just been like, listen, I'm going to win this. You either all die or everyone cooperates and gets their shit together and quits fighting. And everyone gets, yeah, that you know, that would have been sense. interesting. 75 but, And we wouldn't have had the most amazing 45 minutes of, of bloodshed. So, <laughs> right. It would, there's always a much more efficient way to solve these problems, but it would make for dramatically less satisfying terrible, television. Terrible tel- television. I definitely would have, if that had been the fan fiction, I would have walked away. Been like, <laughs> well, oh. it would have been a great story now that I think about it. If Luna had killed all of them, so Luna would have killed Octavia in the scenario. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, now either no one lives, since I get to decide, either no one lives or everyone has to cooperate. 
Um, that would kind of that would be interesting. It would have been an be interesting, like, different direction for Luna's character for sure. I don't yeah. know if I would have bought it given how blood, <laughs> quote unquote, bloodthirsty she was. But I don't know. Like I just, I hate that once again we're like doing something that is inefficient. Inefficiency bothers the shit out of but me. But it's man, it's humans. Why can't humans just be way more efficient and more logical? <laughs> like it's I don't know, computer Sh- Joe. It's not a computer. Shaheen, I'm that kind of coming, coming around to your city of light <laughs> thinking as we're, going, as we're going to season four. <laughs> That's what you get for fucking what you call free will. Uh, that what we is that in quotation marks what we call free will yeah quote unquote yeah. free will right. but so this, this before we that you hung on to I, I so I liked where Octavia was at at the end of this episode I think yeah we finally I'm just like okay finally Octavia well at the end of I mean from no, pulverizing people's episode. skulls to this I mean I, yeah. At the end of the conclave. The yeah, the I mean, at the beginning, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, uh, there's a difference between someone who takes pleasure in murder and somebody who is a soldier slash warrior, whatever mm-hmm. world you're calling it. And which is what Kane called her out at the beginning of the season, saying a warrior knows when not to kill. Um, and I felt like the sort of reverence that she showed for people dying this episode and her reluctance about alien. I think the alien death was super important because she, like you said, when to kill. This was a time when she didn't want to kill, but she had to kill. Like right. she had to kill alien. Not had to, like in the well, sense to, of like. Well, it was the humane choice. Yeah. To, it was otherwise leaving it was suffering. Mercy. Right. It was showing mercy in the different way of, it was, it was the other side of mercy, which is not that you let someone live, but that you give them a noble deserving death to save them pain um and the other side of it and i don't want to jump ahead if we are saving this for like bellamy slash blake siblings but the octavia side of it is her whole life i mean and the first moment that we're introduced to the blake siblings right it's bellamy in this like protector role Mm -hmm. and restricting her freedom of like whether she's able to leave the camp and who she's with, is she able to hook up with people? Yeah, what like the all, fuck, Bellamy? Like all, this, I'm getting a little Riverdale twincest vibes out of that. Of, all of the like dad, their relationship is almost like a parent child child trying to get their independence. So to have a scene where there's no question the veracity of what Bellamy's saying, it wasn't just a pep talk because it wasn't to Octavia going yeah. into battle. No, it was important that she overheard it. She overheard it. And therefore almost trust the world more than if they had had like the typical television show would have had the the Blake heart to heart hug it out that we've been waiting for to be that moment before you go your sister's possibly dying. But what is more realistic is that they were still awkward as hell around each other. And there's all those things that you want to say that are left unsaid. But she gets to hear him basically say to Roan. And Roan is like, I'll tell her, you know, that she had a great brother and she, whatever, was lucky. And then Bellamy basically declaring like, actually, I think she's going to kick your ass. Yeah. And I was lucky to have her. It was like this vote of confidence that she can protect everyone. Mm -hmm. Coming from her brother, where they've always had that struggle. At the beginning of the episode, she's saying, don't tell me, this is my choice. Don't tell me what to do. I thought it was a great way to sort of advance wherever the Blakes are going without have it fall into this like typical 
what you would have expected is that they would have had that heart to heart before. Again, like this was a really strong episode for making those choices for, for not falling into the usual sort of, we're going to have a heart to heart and cry it out. That's not what Octavia needed. Um, and even them not hugging at the beginning, you know, was still in character of like, things are not fine between them. Things were not fine between them at the beginning. They were cordial. Um, and, you know, then her overhearing this conversation was kind of, yeah, it was just this, I don't know if things are going to be great between them whenever they see each other again, whenever that might be. Because, um, you know, obviously we have a couple more episodes for Bellamy to try and escape the bunker and get back to Octavia. Um, but his sort of confidence in her that she never really hears, she's never heard that from him. She, she has never felt that he thought that she knew what the fuck she was doing. No, I mean, there's been a couple moments, like, for example, in season two, when he was like, she was like, how would you know where to get to where um, they thought, remember when they went out looking for Finn and she was there, they had the backpacks ready to go and Mm -hmm. Raven had deactivated the fence and she walks up and she's like, I can come along and I have value. And they just stop and he's like, here's your backpack. Like we expected you were coming. Mm. So... (laughs) But he was going with her. But he was going with her. This was a big moment of, and it's frankly like a pretty awesome moment to have the brother be like, I'm sitting back. All he was trying to do, he wasn't Echo trying to influence the result. He was just trying to keep the playing field Level. level. Yeah. And just like, I trust her. And if you go all the way back to the pilot and the dynamic, that's a pretty great place for it to now be. Yeah. Speaking of pretty great places to now be, um, I need to be. Let's take a break. I, I need to be um, All right. getting rid of this beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's take a break and uh, answer nature's calls. And okay. we'll be right back. All right. All right. So, welcome back. What time is it? I need to write this down. 7 12. Welcome back, everyone. Um, we are going to talk about the other people who were around while everyone was murdering each other. Um, <laughs> Wait, is no. it murder? Like, no, I like lawyer definition. Like, if you intend <laughs> to kill people, but not necessarily, like, at what point does it become murder? Well, you have intent to kill, but you don't necessarily have intent to kill that person. So you have intent to kill, or you know that you're going to kill someone, but you don't necessarily know who you're going to kill, and you don't actually know that that's the person you're going to kill until they're in front of you, and at that point it becomes self-defense, mm-hmm. because obviously they're going to try and kill you. So, like, is this, is any of this murder? You mean, like, if I was defending Luna? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think you, oh, that makes my brain hurt, and you asked me four beers in. <laughs> Um, huh. Well, like you Luna got into it voluntarily. You signed up for it voluntarily. Mm-hmm. But then you're in the situation, then you, of course, you're defending yourself. But you knew that you're going into this, you're going to participate in this activity that involves killing and being killed. So you voluntarily signed up for that. Right. And the question is, what is the is it murder? <laughs> what is the legal status of that? Do we have to determine that right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm happy to answer the question for a price. <laughs> Go home and research it. <laughs> Gonna write up a document, cite a bunch of laws, and so many footnotes for you. Oh charge my God. like four hundred dollars an hour. 
Well, that's sweet that you think it would only be 400. <laughs> but yeah, lots of footnotes. Okay, but on Clueless, <laughs> it was 450. So are we just talking about inflation now? <laughs> Well, it's like DC rates plus inflation. Mm, yeah. So fucked into 600 is what you're telling me. What you're telling me is that I need to go to law school. <laughs> no, you don't get to keep any of that. You oh. work for a firm that oh, gives and it you a set your amount and they get it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah. I just need to go into business for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and undercut yep. everyone else by just enough. Yeah. Okay, cool. Onward. All right. So before we talk about the people who were standing around while everyone was... Um, engaging in legally ambiguous <laughs> legally activity. <laughs> um, let's hear uh, Cece had something to say about Roan. What well, about so, Roan? Okay, so... Fucking loser. <laughs> I mean, Drowned in a pool of dark rain or whatever the hell it's called. Brutal. Black rain. Yeah, like, dear Luna, couldn't you just, like, slit his throat? Like, that was kind of... Like, drowning sucks. It was like, a I get, death. I swallow water when I go for a swim and I'm really upset about it. Like, well, but remember her waterboarding last season? I know, season? but he didn't waterboard her. I know, but it, w- it was brutal. It, but all right. So two things. First, sort of the tragedy of Roan and Clark mm-hmm. is that at the beginning of the episode, when Clark goes to him. And is trying, again, to sort of forge an alliance of, okay, we now have this Luna factor. I'm trying to save humanity. And Roan in that moment says, I don't care anymore. I'm fighting for my clan. And if we don't win, I don't give a fuck. Wait, but did you notice how, sorry, when Clark was like about to talk to him and he was like, he looked over at Echo and then like crossed his arms. He's like, I'm going to be tough and I'm going to like put my thumbs in my belt buckle and be a tough guy. And you're like, Rowan, nobody's buying Well, so the other thing that was interesting is every other conversation, Clark went into the conversation, can we talk alone? And every other time he has sent Echo away. And this time he didn't. Right. And so then he's like fronting in front of Echo. Right. Like he's like, he's trying to be like big, strong guy. But see, here's like the tragedy of it is he tells Clark, no. I don't give a fuck anymore and I'm in it for my clan. And if my clan doesn't win. And I think that that in part pushes Clark over to do what she does. The sad thing is in the fight, he, it does matter to him who survives. Yeah. And that's that humanity in general and not just Escada, which is why he forges the alliance with Octavia, but Clark never knows that. Mm -hmm. And so you had this whole, I mean, really the only character that Rome he really only interacted with three characters all season. Bellamy a little bit, then Echo and, and Clark. Mm-hmm. And they built up this friendship. And this friendship kind of like was betrayed last episode. A lot of people lied to Rome this season. Like he gave people a lot of benefit of the doubt. And Octavia lied to him. And Clark Rome's lied to so him. tragic. He really is. Like he's trying to be this tough guy, but like he's kind of soft. Well, by, by soft, well, do you Clark mean that he's like reasonable? <laughs> What? Clark technically never lied to him. Uh, it was a lie of omission. She the whole time she knew that the flame hadn't been destroyed, and oh, I see. she so she did. That's a lie of omission right there. Like both she and Octavia let him think that the flame had been destroyed and it hadn't. And then she tried to pull the whole like when she talked to him the last episode about what to do. She didn't tell him we have the flame and I'm going to try and do this and, and I'm going to try and this is how I'm going to try and foster like a solution is by becoming the commander. She kind of pulled one over on. Yeah. I mean, they also lied to him when, or hit, hit truths from him when they, um, 
didn't tell him what they were up to with the night blood and and the ark, how they were preparing the ark. Yeah, I mean, Cain and Clark did again. So the, yeah. the whole season, he tried to be a reasonable compromiser. Like, is compromiser not a word? It is now. Oh shit! Not a <laughs> word. He tried to compromise, and well, he got screwed over time and time and time and time and time again. And that fracture in their friendship led to that conversation. And it put Clark, it was sort of like the final nail in the coffin that I think pushes Clark over to do what she does. But compromiser is a word. Thank God. Um, Anyway, so I I just. If compromise is a verb, then compromiser is definitely. But it sounded weird, right? I mean, it's weird. You don't hear it very often. (laughs) I just thought it was, he, I thought it was tragic. It's yet another figure who tries to be tries to be reasonable, tries to be a stabilizing force, and ultimately falls. Yeah. I mean, he there was definitely a bit of tragedy around Rowan, and I think he was somewhat underused um, in the previous episodes of the season. Like he was just kind of there, but which is how not. I knew he was going to die. Because they didn't spend a lot of time, time on developing relationships other than his seemed like super fast friendship with Clark. Uh, if it wasn't really, even a friendship. It was like almost mentorship, but then not really like because he tried to mentor her. But like you can't you can't take Clark under your wing. Or what basis does he have to mentor yeah. when he, she's been making leadership decisions longer than he has? Yeah. But Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to, and it was also, I mean, he's, he's a great actor. I enjoyed watching him. I just wish that they had done, I don't know. He was kind of like on an Island all season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that right. like last misunderstanding between the two of them is actually pretty tragic because it sets Clark off to do what she's going to do, which ends up screwing everything. And, yeah. And at the end of the day, her words, he actually took them to heart about trying to save humanity because he tried to align with Octavia to take uh, Luna out. So, I, I really yeah. liked the, the, the moment where he's, you know, trying to align with Octavia and he was hurt. He was hurt that she lied to him. Like, and he was finally like, you know, I'm going to bring up these old grievances and like, Hey, like that hurt my feels that, that you did this. Um, well, but then he trusted also, her to yeah. tell her that the flame was gone. Yeah. To begin with, like that was a big, leap of faith for him to even tell her that that was the basis for his authority then i mean it's kind of surprising to be honest that i mean a rowan rejecting clark he's kind of luna in that case of just being like i'm tired of sky crew's bullshit you guys lie to me all the time but however instead of deciding that humanity doesn't deserve to live you know at first he's like fuck you you know i'm just only gonna be working for my people um but then you know to be like all right you know at least with octa he's smart and I like that he, when Clark was like, can you beat Luna? And Echo was the hype man of like, yeah, of course. What the fuck? Obviously. (laughs) And Rowan was just like, fuck, 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 (laughs) fuck. And then like, when it comes to actually the conclave, he's like, so hey, listen, Octavia, like I cannot, I cannot take this bitch down by myself. Like I'm going to need your help. Like two against one, we might have a chance. Like he didn't even say that we'd be able to do it. He said we would have a chance to do it. And, um. And he would have, and had it not been for the black green, he would have. Not necessarily, though. Uh, he. All right. 
I mean, it, it was looking bad for Luna. It was point. looking bad for Luna, but remember, it was also looking pretty bad for Lexa, and that didn't end very well either. Yeah, for Esgan. Yeah, I mean, it's not really that hard to get out of that situation if you're on the ground and someone's going to spear you. You can just roll around, roll over, and you know, presumably. <laughs> Are you going to start teaching, like, hand-to-hand combat? That's what Lexa did, right? She just rolled over. Yeah, and he learned that. He did the little, like, leg spin move. I kind of wanted somebody to do the, like, the kip-up where you, like, launch yourself. You know what the one I'm talking about where, like, people, like, the ninja shit where you're, like, on your back and then you, like, do a reverse worm and suddenly land on your feet? Anyone? Crickets. Crickets. All right. (laughs) We got to move on. So let's let's talk about Indra. Do you want to talk about Indra and her daughters, the um, uh, the real one and the favorite one? <laughs> Wait, ouch! <laughs> Indra gave me a lot of feelings. Oh yeah, so many feelings. Like mom feelings. Just she's a great actress. There were a lot of scenes that brought a lot. I mean, Indra is probably one of the. All she was doing was standing around this whole episode, and yet. Every scene that she had kind of hit me in the feels. Did you think that when she gave Octavia the sword and gave her the whole speech that she was going to expect Octavia to save Tree Crew or that she was going to expect Octavia to save everyone? Well, so I paused it. Okay. So this is actually, um, I actually paused it at that moment and I was like, a li- like, I thought that was a beautiful moment giving her sword. You are my people. It also was re- super strategic. Because I, 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 what, and I don't mean this in a, it's earned, right? The reason why Octavia even has a chance in this fight is because of what Indra has taught her. Sure. But I, we like paused it and um, Mr. Chick and I were like, basically like she has maybe more than one fighter in this fight. And she's drawing upon those relationships and it was smart. I, and I don't mean that in a calculating way at all. It's earned. That the reason why Octavia is even able to participate in this fight on those grounder terms is because what Indra has shown her. The thing is, though, like Indra doesn't get to be to have the high ground and be like, yeah, hopefully you'll allow multiple clans to survive because she had a chance to do that and she declined. So she's not the type of person who's, you know, about Ogeda. So that's another. So again, my, I'm, I'm ranting about the Ogeda stuff. She again. is when it. She is in the way that, like, if it's based on a personal relationship, right? Uh-huh. I mean, so so Indra is, is also not big picture. I mean, that's the other thing, is that, like, when they got locked out of the bunker, Indra's like, motherfucking Sky Crew with this shit again. Like, with Octavia and Kane right there, but in that moment, they were not Sky Crew anymore. Um, I, I think in that moment, Kane and Octavia were, were grounders. Um... Which goes back to Kane saying that we're all grounders now, as in Sky Crew shut out the grounders, and Octavia and Sky and 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 Kane are part of that group. No, I think the whole breaking down of who means what to whom is like fascinating, <laughs> and that those bookends of Kane saying at the beginning we're all grounders now, and grounders don't get to go in the bunker. Uh, I mean, I, I I think it's really I think. What this whole scenario and the way that it's forcing people to like reconsider where those lines are and what the, where that's all falling, despite what people say and, the, and their words versus their actions, I think is actually really interesting. 
Um, but I thought the whole family dysfunction when you look at the Blakes and then you look at um, Indra and Gaia was really interesting this episode because you have at the beginning of the episode Indra giving Octavia the sword that she explicitly says was intended for her daughter and instead she's giving it to Octavia and then you have that I thought a lovely moment where Gaia goes to her mother when Tree Crew's warrior has fallen mm-hmm. and it was really and like gives her a hug and like Indra had to like remember how to use her arms like, yeah how do I hug um, right. It reminded me of when Clark hugging Kane. Like, oh, this is awkward. Like, yeah. someone's expressing, like, uh, yeah. And it was awkward. Why are we was, touching? But then at the end, when Octavia walks up and then she falls on Indra's arm, there was this very specific camera angle of clocking Gaia watching that. I don't think I missed that. And and Indra's, I forget, Indra basically says, like, Lincoln would be proud of you, but mm-hmm. it's also that she's proud of her. And Gaia's watching all of it. Wait, so Indra's saying that Lincoln is proud of her? That's that's basically, like, how when I was younger, like, so I grew up in a very, like, unemotive family, and rather than my dad saying I love you, it was, or my mom saying I love you, it was always, like, your father and I, or your mother and I love you. Like, it was never, like... I like this. It's always like, let me let me have backup. at least one other person. Yeah, involved. like, let's not, don't put this all on me, all right? <laughs> I don't want to make it so personal. Yeah. like I want to communicate that I love you, but not in a super no, personal don't, or vulnerable. <laughs> don't, don't read too much into this. <laughs> but I liked that um, the whole episode, which is, I think, remarkable given all of the action stuff that's going on and the big themes that are going on. There was it, so much character work. So And playing with this. Which makes the other episodes where we didn't get that kind of character work and nothing happened. I'm like, bitch, people were dying and we still like got to see Yep, I know. Work. I know. But you saw this familial estrangement and this people not this awkwardness of what you want to say and what's under the surface and not able to do it and trying to reach out. And it, I, I really loved the Indra and Gaia, Gaia and Octavia, like who's your flesh and blood child and who, but you don't agree with them and you can't get over it. And then you have Gaia looking at Octavia and Octavia is what Indra wanted Gaia to be. And it was, there were just so many layers to what was going on in those scenes. Has anyone on Tumblr or Twitter, like, bitched about racial politics with that? Or, like, has the fandom finally become a slightly like more rational? white kid. Oh my god, right? It, it, I haven't it, Come actually, on, guys. Like, we already talked about this. You don't have to read this shit into everything. I haven't so. seen that. I saw a little bit about they took one white savior and then replaced them with another. With Clark versus Octavia. Oh, for but white savior, but white savior doesn't always, I listened to a couple and, and this like takes me back to like being an English major. White savior isn't necessarily like happens to be white, happens to be white. It's like the more technologically advanced culture. So Octavia is not the white savior because she's meeting them on their level, but Clark is because she, I is. think that's actually like an interesting difference between the two. And so to focus just on the skin color, even though you have to take into account that that's also the historical context of the whole trope. Right. And theme like in literature, it's complicated, but that was the only thing that I saw. So, so your lawyer answer is it depends. And it's complicated. <laughs> Here are my rights. But I didn't, that's interesting. I didn't see the whole, adopted white daughter versus natural born that's interesting but i, yeah. I hadn't seen that brought up and right. where's we, um 
where's where's Gaia's dad? Like there is no mention of Mr. Mr. Indra. Mr. Indra. <laughs> like yeah. I kind of picture Indra as like I don't have time for for this. Like I need to make a baby. Like you Thank are the you. strongest person in in my clan. Thank you for your donation. Yeah. I'm moving on. Yeah, I got, you know, don't be here in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, continue, Shahin. Wrangle us. Uh, we're pretty drunk now. <laughs> I know, so, and you've, like, powered yeah. through your beer. Like, do you need to go downstairs and get another? Like, Jesus. No, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show up at my, like, law school reunion and be like, wow, what happened to her? <laughs> Showing up. <laughs> Why is she here? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go wrangle ahead, us, wrangle us. So, uh, <laughs> Joe, did you have something about Dark Kane? What is that oh, about? Oh, hmm. for the one time that we saw Kane not being an idealist shithead. Not shithead, just like that he was like, okay, yeah, we do need to do something about this, but wait until it's dark. Oh, like such a great moment. Like where he was like, he, you saw him think about it and realize that like Bellamy couldn't go out there now, but but we didn't need to be noble about this. We didn't need to be like everyone fights, you know, on these same rules or anything like that. It was go out there when it's night, nighttime. Um, <laughs> and his eyes got kind of big. Yeah. He, and was, he was just like, I'm going to embrace season one, Dark Kane. Right? Yeah. Where, like, like next episode is going to be clean But the idea was shaven. also that he was, Bellamy was going out to prevent someone else from cheating. So, right. I mean, that's like. But Bellamy for, getting caught. For Kane, that's like, yeah. Like, but I love that he brought back his It's like he smoked a cigarette and is like, oh my god, who am I anymore? I mean, so next episode, Kane is going to be clean shaven and his hair is going to be slick slicked back, back. And we're going to be like, that dude's shady. Because that's totally yeah. what I thought season one. I was like, that dude's shady. Um, yeah. But like... I, Abby's going to be like... Oh, even Jaha, kinda- remember at, some, at, at one point in season one, early on, Jaha was like, so... You didn't plan to assassinate me, did you? <laughs> Like, there was a moment there where, where Kane was like, are you implying that I plan to assassinate you? And Is it the Jaha hair? Jaha was kind of like, I don't know, without, you know, without the beard, that kind of, you kind of have the look. I mean, well, and, you know, Jaha has, like, you know, darkest timeline goatee going on. So, like, it's, yeah. I, I, I just, I like that Kane for once was not being an idealist. Yeah, because I think that that's something that. So we'll go. Was, we'll go back to Kane. He was being practical pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, because um, he was kind of being an idealist with his whole um, world grounders thing. But we'll get to that in a second. Right, like thinking like that the others wouldn't cheat. I'm kind of surprised but that none it was of only them Asgeta was cheating. Like well, I think that that's some bullshit. Are, are we going to talk about Kane and Jaha now? Does that make sense? Um, well, let's say. Um, did you want to say your thing about Bellamy? Or do you want to... Oh, I, where, well, this kind of gets into the... I, I just liked that... And it was a fun, because there was a lot of discussion on Reddit about this, but it was fun to go back to... You know, Clark is a big-picture person, but she actually didn't see the forest through the trees. And I didn't even, as a viewer with the conclave, I was like, how is Octavia going to win this? Mm -hmm. And then you have this great moment of, I really enjoyed the like grumpy and patient. Like, so that whole scene at the beginning where Kane goes up to Octavia and is like, so 
so-and-so's left-handed and da 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 And we like paused it. And my husband turned to me. He's like, this is like when you're about to get up and cross-examine someone. And all of your colleagues is like, remember when they said this? And remember said this? Remember and they said this? And you're like, fuck overlay. it. I just need to get in the zone. And all these last-minute pointers are like the last thing that I need right now. And you saw Octavia kind of getting like overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, it's not that we came wasn't. We are just like, okay, okay. It was okay, all useful okay. information. But even as a viewer, I was like totally focused on, fuck, there's 12 people and she has to fight them. And then you just have this great strategic Bellamy moment. That's like a classic strategic thing where he's just like, that's not do what we have thing. to do here. So, so this actually goes into slightly of my well, actually, but like is very much related to this. When, Oct- when Octavia is talking with Indra and Indra is about to like give her some like pointers of like, she gives her these totally generic bullshit quote unquote pointers for how to win the fight of like, don't telegraph your next move. Make sure that, you know, <laughs> you have a counter ready and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh my God, what Bellamy did was actually what you want to hear if you're going to step into the ring. Saying don't telegraph your next move at quote unquote Octavia's level of prowess in fighting is bullshit advice. <laughs> Like, she is at the level where you don't need to say that. You don't need to say, don't telegraph your next move. Like, that is a given. And so it was just kind of like Indra. Like, I mean, thanks for the sword, but, like, dude, could you have, like, worked on your speech a little? Like, well, maybe Indra shares your skepticism at how good a fighter she is. Oh, so after Indra was scraping the barrel, she's like, well, don't. I guess uh, don't reveal your next move. Yeah, like. Fuck. No, uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll get to that. I'm saving that for my well. Actually, I, I okay. don't. I don't know if Bellamy's advice was actually that. Bellamy's advice was great. Ingenious, either, but it anyway, was concrete. We'll it played to her skills. It's like saying, like, "Hey." It's so obvious, though. It's something everyone. But, it, but I, I, I guess anyway. it was Shaheen. But at that moment, it wasn't obvious to me. I got sucked in, like everybody. Like, else. how is Octavia going to win? Of, of, oh my God! There's, there's no reason that Octavia should win this fight if it's just all people going apeshit in well, combat. Okay, right? well, let's I save actually that. entertained. I was actually like entertaining the thought for a little while, which good for the show of like maybe this is where Octavia dies. Yeah, because I don't see how she gets out of this realistically. And I, I mean, Shaheen, maybe you need to actually be the coach if you think that that was that obvious. Because in that moment, we paused it and we're like, holy shit, that That's makes so genius. much sense. Why was I not, why was I sucked into the whole, you have to fight well, construct okay, well, in the I guess, event? Yeah, we'll get to that then. Um, it just makes, yeah. Just but sure. I liked, so with respect, I mean, we touched on this a little bit, but like, so the, the flip side of Octavia having her brother stand by the sidelines and letting her take control is that Bellamy let somebody else do that. And he let his sister do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was a, like a nice, I don't know where they're going to go with the two of them. And it's kind of a, I don't know if they're going to, it's kind of upsetting. What if they never see each other? Well, and it's upsetting that he's in the bunker. Yeah. And she <laughs> doesn't know how he got there. And so is she going to feel betrayed? It's like, listen, right. I mean, Kane so is hide. Kane, Kane is the only one that can explain. I it's I sh- it should be clear to any observer that Kane and Octavia had no idea yeah. what's going on. But when Roan died, the where where I thought the episode was actually going was that Roan was dead, Octavia was going to win, and Bellamy got caught, and it was going to look like Sky Crew cheated, and the only non Sky Crew witness 
The only two non-Sky Crew witnesses to Ascata's cheating is Echo, who's banished, yeah. and Roan, who's dead. Yeah. And that's where I thought it was going. And and now I'm, I wonder, like, will they be so cruel as to undo this progress between the siblings for Octavia to think that her brother actually had a plan B? No, because we've seen in the previews that she has faith that he's going to come back. So she somehow. But here's the thing. Like, there's no way for them to communicate. Anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that. Sorry. Wrangle us, Shaheen. So speaking of Bellamy and Echo, Becco. Becco. I see that you kind of like the whole uh, choking thing. Oh yeah, no, that that's like definitely like one of their one of their kinks. Like there is um, (laughs) there is some choke sex happening happening with that. Bellamy has a choking thing. Remember he choked. Oh wait, Echo helped him choke the dude. In season two in Mount Weather. Yep. Yeah. When he was this hanging in his thing. underwear. This is their favorite song. This is this is the thing that they slow dance to. Uh, so do you um, think it, it's the wedding. thing that gets Echo going? Or do you think it's the thing that gets Bellamy going? I think it's a surprise. I think Echo is into it. And it's a surprise. I didn't know I was into this. But I totally have a boner for that like, <laughs> Bellamy-like moment here. And I'm sorry. I know that this like goes against your Bellark shit or whatever. <laughs> um, to, quote, to quote Eliza on this. Um, but you know, you know, Clark is not into choking and I think that they need to have an open relationship so that at least Bellamy can like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you need something, you need your wife to like stomp on your testicles, but she's not into that. So you pay a professional. And so. Wait, cause that's a thing? It's a thing. Oh Jesus. That's so like. TMI. <laughs> and right. so. Like I, I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a kink that I think. I thought it was on non kink level. It was great in that Bellamy finally got to be like fucking Echo. Do you think that he would have killed her? Do you think that Bellamy would have choked out Echo if Rowan had not shown up? That's an interesting question. I mean, I was frankly shocked that Echo was about to shoot Octavia like uh, granted the stakes are a little bit different and she's worried about the survival of her clan but the remorse that you saw on her face when she thought she had killed Octavia the first time it seemed a little glib of the show to just be like yep and here she is and she's just going to shoot an arrow in her uh, the stakes well, those, are a little bit different. Those were different times, though. Yeah, I mean that's true, but uh, <laughs> that was days before that. The, the yeah, from it's the survival of her entire clan. True, although they and, actually I mean, thought like, that was a Sky Crew before. betrayed them since then. Then they made a, made an alliance with them again, and then again betrayed them. Um, and and now it's there's a whole conclave, so it's a whole other. Well, so would Bellamy have gone through with it? I mean, I don't know in that scenario if Roan hadn't come in. Is that the type, would Echo have let it go and just run away? And if she hadn't, then where does that inevitably lead? Because the alternative is to let her go and to continue to go and shoot people. I, I mean, that's the question. Would I mean, Bellamy you can, have uh, killed her? Try to arrest her. But then you admit that you're out on the battlefield. Yeah, I feel like grounders are And not. then it's he said, she, she said. said as to who was cheating and why you're out there. I don't know. I mean, I guess so that you could point out, like, Bellamy can't shoot a fucking arrow. So, like, that's probably at least pretty good evidence that, like, you know, Bellamy can shoot a gun. I mean, either way, they're going to ask who killed this 
who killed Echo? <laughs> and I, you know, so they're probably going to find out. And he has to answer anyway. So, but I guess at that point she's dead. So, right. So, whatever. There, it's just his word against nothing. All right. So, will that, with that, speaking of Bellamy and all of that, let's transition into the whole Clark and mm. Jaha versus Bellamy and Kane debate. I guess I don't exactly know where Bellamy stood on that, but it was definitely a Clark and Jaha versus Kane thing. And um, yeah, that was my question mark. So that whole conversation at the beginning of the episode where Jaha is like, how are we going to like, first of all, this is ridiculous that we're doing it this yeah. way. And how do you know? They're I like the Jaha's like, we do not have time for this bullshit. I'm like, thank you, Jaha. We do not. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, they suggest cheating and Bellamy looks like scandalized <laughs> that they would even suggest cheating. So I don't know where he stands other than he does not believe in cheating. So he somehow like Kane believes in the integrity of what they've set up. I mean, it's a difficult conversation with him. The whole conversation is basically skirting around the fact that they're talking about his sister dying. Yeah. So, yeah. right. I mean, the whole, they're talking about it in the abstract and Bellamy Singer is like, what you're really talking about is whether my whether sister my sister's dies or not. So it's a little hard for him to like talk about it on the same level that Kane yeah. and Clark and Jahar. But I, I, there's been this whole thing this season about Kane and it stretches back to season two, but Kane being sort of the face of this idealism of people working together. And He's so fucking idealistic. Well, yeah. So here's the thing. I, I, I think it's. Sorry, were you gonna, were you gonna say something? No, so I mean, just that? no. So just <laughs> the way that Kane. It's it's interesting because in this, it's gone on for a while now. Where and and we've joked around and a lot of people joke around how Kane is basically not been super effective <laughs> in achieving the, the idiot ball every episode. Right. And the, so the one thing that's Maybe it's a purposeful frustration because I think this episode actually subverted our expectations. So that that discussion between Jaha and Kane, we again had a pause moment of, dude, Jaha is making a lot of sense. Like this. <laughs> that is like the tagline of season four. Jaha is making a lot of sense. Right. And like if you came off of season three and saw that as the tagline of season four, you just flip a table and walk out. <laughs> Like, I'm so irritated that Jaha is the one that... Well, did he make sense, though? Well, so Jaha's thing was basically this... So, and I wrote down these terms here, and, and I, I might be using them imprecisely, but it was it was sort of a... I don't know if it's cynicism or realism about human nature that they're not going to accept this result. And so why That's are a we even... Fear. And it's, it's totally a, a reasonable fear and trying to manage the risk. Well, because, because Lexa broke their alliance to save her people. Like, why wouldn't any of them break their alliance, you know, their agreement? Yeah, and it goes, it goes isn't back. That, isn't that exactly Pike's position, though? Yeah, it's a realism that of not to be trusted. You can't so trust this anybody. This is what I was thinking about. Like, yeah. The first time I saw this scene, I, wasn't, I didn't think it was that important. Um, it didn't seem like it had any consequences until the end of the episode. 
so then the second time around when I was rewatching it, then uh, I actually thought the scene was very interesting. Yeah. This conversation. I, I thought it was important. And, and the thing that's frustrated, it doesn't frustrate me. It's realistic that the reaction to Kane in the audience is that Kane is idealistic and hopeful. And possibly naive. A- and naive. If you want to call being idealistic and hopeful being naive. Given that this that this is not their first rodeo with the grounders, you could argue naive. Right. And and Jaha is being realist and very sort of real politic, like Machiavellian, like recognizing that everybody has self-interest and you can't trust the the better the better instincts in humanity to always win out and you need to recognize that. And and it may it has all season the way people have sort of flippantly talked about Kane as sort of this, like, he's naive. It reminds me in the real world of when people talk about relying on diplomacy and alliance building and basically not just relying, like resorting to self-interest and preserving you and yours, because you have to expect that everyone else is going to do the same. I mean, I think that that's kind of going back to that scene. Now that I think about it, like it's, it's sort of amazing that Kane was like, no, the grounders will obey this. This is sacred to them. And Sky Crew was just like, fuck you. It's not sacred to us. Like it was Clark and Jaha that betrayed this, this faith that Kane had put, that put, had put stake in and said, no, the grounders will respect it. And Kane, Kane wasn't speaking out of his ass. No. He, it came from a knowledge of being with them. But he also doesn't know his own people. Well, yeah, I mean, so that's what I found fascinating about it. And that one conversation to me crystallized the sort of idealism versus self-interest and realism and whether you can actually trust the people that you're dealing with in alliance building or peacemaking. He can't trust his own people. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't. And in this one episode, actually, I mean, we can debate about whether depending on how the scenarios went it could have gone either way as to whether Kane was right. But the way things played out, Kane was actually, I mean, I had this debate a little bit on Reddit as to whether the grounders were going to accept Octavia winning had she not shared the bunker. Mm. But what they showed in that throne room is that every time a candle was extinguished, the representatives of those clans were like bereft yeah they were sad they accepted it there was a resignation and they were accepting it so by the time octavia walked in they had accepted it seemed like it yeah right there seemed to be a resignation a a surprise on gaia's part that she had won but no one was along the way as their hopes were extinguished fuck this shit fuck it i mean i'm right we did and and so whether that actually is borne out when you're talking about a mass of people facing a door being closed and what happens in a crowd that's a different question. But as to the actual leaders, as to whether they were going to respect the results, all the indications in the episode is that they actually were. Yeah. And so Kane in this one episode is born out to be correct and is undermined by this. And cynicism. is adorably naive about his own people. Yeah. But is it, I mean, it's the thing that we talk about in the real world is if you're going to try and build try and strive towards peace and use diplomacy, then you have to trust each other. The solution, if it's always self-interest and I don't trust people and I have to get mine and pursue my own self-interest. So here's the dilemma that Kane is in, though. Um, As the person who's the champion of getting along, 
and <laughs> you know talk, he, he always has to talk about how we can all find a solution that is agreeable to all of us so he's always um being apologetic for grounders in a lot of cases um and you know it's a necessity of his position that um he accepts um whatever is in their their culture as being agreeable but then if part of their culture is, is this culture that you're trying to get along with for peace uh part of is part of it is glorifying war um then you're in this awkward position that Cain is in. Um, I, I mean, so, I, I guess, but I, I what they had a so the two the, the, on the one level, yeah, it's ridiculous that it's hand to hand combat <laughs> to decide all of this. <laughs> on the other hand, if you look at the course of human history, most big decisions have actually been decided by violence. Right? It's a much rarer occurrence where something was achieved through diplomacy and peace in the, in the overall course of human history is just who won this battle. So it's almost what Rome set up instead of having hundreds and thousands of people die. We just actually have a pretty civilized 12 people die. Yeah. So you have to like make that concession, right? You have to be like, yeah, like you it or not, we're all grounders. Die. What Cain and was pointing to. So you to have to accept like this myopic, uh, perspective that Joe has always been complaining about. You have to be like, yeah, I guess that's just the way it is, right? And so it it just comes off a little hypocritical. And I think this is like in in the real world, this is like the analog of people who deny that there is a problem of extremism in Islam. And there's always people who are saying, look, like you don't have to deny that there is some part of it that's problematic uh, in order to say that we can still accept them and be friends with them you know um they have a faction that's problematic and, and i think this is something about kane that he, he doesn't want to accept that there's a part of the grounder culture that's problematic and you well, know it, so so that's it, the position that he is in and then there's the other side which is you know jaha and clark on this in this case who are like fuck this shit man like this is ridiculous we're out and you know that's that the representative of that position was Pike, right? He was like, I don't want any part of your alliance. I don't want part any any part of it, right? So that's uh, like people who want to pretend like the Muslims don't even exist or whatever. I, I would say you know? like to that analogy, I would actually say it's more like um, Cain is, is Christian and uh -huh. refuses to accept that most of domestic terrorism that happens in America is white male Christian terrorism. Uh -huh. um, they kill more. They they perpetuate more attacks um, versus, you know, rando uh, Islamic terrorists. Uh, much of the mass shootings is by Christians. And so it's kind of refusing to see your own But they don't do it before Christianity, though, right? Hmm? They don't do it for Christianity, though. Uh, I mean, it... it I think it's sort of tied up in a weird um, sort of a, a misguided attempt to, to fix things. Um, but, but anyway, that's the I, I guess separate the, issue. So the real world analogy I saw more is that like when you see, for example, let's just talk about like looking back on the presidential debate sure, and thinking that it's naive to enter into, let's say an agreement with Iran mm -hmm. to, deal with their weapons program and trusting them. And that basically 
any negotiation and diplomacy is naive and weak because you don't trust your partner. And it's quote unquote stronger to not to be in like intransigent and and not give and not and expect the worst and pursue your own self-interest. And so this debate between Kane and Jaha, and it's been going on with different actors, but Kane has been sort of the mouthpiece for it now for since the beginning of midway through season two, where he was the first person to go out and say, there's got to be something more to this than us just killing each other. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, especially lately has been, I think on purpose on the show and then dismissed in the audience as rolling their eyes at Kane saying, God, you're just being naive and you're not being realistic, which is what people do in the real world. Like when, when president Obama would say, I think it makes more sense to do, to try diplomacy and negotiate deals and try and bridge across self-interest and actually trust the people that you're dealing with. And Republicans would be like, that is weak. And they're not respecting America as being strong. I see sort of these like, I, I may, I don't know, maybe I'm stretching to the real world, although the show has actually acknowledged that a lot of these things mm-hmm. are intended allegories to what's going on in the real world. So I loved in this episode that at the top of the episode, when Jaha was expressing that cynicism, I was like, man, Jaha's making a lot of sense. <laughs> and Kane is being so super hopeful and probably naive. But at the end of the day, Kane was right and subverted by the lack of, and, and I'm not, we'll get to Clark. And but I, do we I, know if Kane was right? Do we like, well, this brings up in the this question one of, particular scenario, if they didn't share the bunker. Would Kane have been right? It's, but it's, if you trust other people, it's always going to be a risk. So do we trust or do we not trust? Right. And and that's what I, that conversation at the top of the episode and then the way the episode played with it, how it unfolded, I thought was super interesting on that point. And it was something that I had been focused on with Kane all season where people were basically dismissing him as like this naive fool. And I was like, Well, here's the thing, like whether you were right or not shouldn't depend on chance, right? Hopefully, like if your principle is right, um, it's not just because this time, you know, we threw the dice and it, it landed this in this particular way that, you know, you got lucky and your your position led to the better outcome. Um, it should be something that we can argue for um, on more general grounds, right? So uh, the fact that Octavia happened to win, for example, shouldn't be relevant to whether Kane was right or not. So what if someone else had won? then would we still say Kane was right? Yeah, if what humanity, if- it depends what your goal is. But if it was for humanity to still survive and people to respect the result. But it seemed like it may not be the heroes we're cheering for. But if the goal is for humanity to survive and humanity would have survived if anyone had won other than Luna. But he, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like you put grounders in a bunker. You had grounders <laughs> in a bunker yeah, 97 like years a- ago. That's like a big old well, actually. Yeah, like, like how are they? They are hunters. They are gatherers. The they are farmers. Show. Like, what would they have done when faced with a microwave? You know, like I feel like whoever, whatever grounder faction had won would have been like, so we can have like five sky crew people, <laughs> like just yeah, just to run just maintenance, slaves. just like get uh, like get get Riley. yeah, like now. give Riley a goal, like get Riley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 
But, okay. I mean, that's getting into the, like, well, actually, like, the nitty gritties. <laughs> but if you're, it was talking about whether, like, all of humanity is locked out of that bunker or not. Yeah. And that also, like, shown okay, that Cain's so, faith that people would respect the result was actually borne out. Okay, what, so, but let's say, was that, um, the, the question is, was, what, did we have reasons to, um, to expect that they would? Right? Or is it just that they they happen to accept the result or look like kind of like they, they did? Um, I mean, these are people that have been odds, ruled for... Or was for it a- like really the unlikely scenario that they would? But these are people that, that have for a hundred years almost given up their autonomy and been ruled by a person that was chosen for leadership by this result. No, they weren't ruled though. It wasn't until Lexa united them that they were ruled. Because I think that we kind of established that the the commander was more We've of a religious been figurehead. Super confused about. Yeah, there was a lot of a when lot the of, commander. Yeah, like because it seemed like the commander was just sort of like a figurehead. But at that point, why had no other commanders tried to unite them? Because that would make sense. There's I mean, of, okay, but and even, also like even these if aren't commanders; take, these aren't nightbloods. These aren't. They're not going to get the flame. Yeah, so it's, they, it's they don't have irregular. that authority, and they don't even consider Sky Crew as being part of this in the first place right so they might even be like this is uh profanity to even have a sky person in the conclave this is uh disrespectful of our tradition well no one seemed to be objecting to having it was actually progress right no one seemed to be sky crew had a like a symbol they were up on stage with everybody else it's actually progress considering season three (laughs) it's progress we're all gonna die but (laughs) progress and if you think about it you're in the murder club (laughs) but but everyone accepted everyone accepted the result last season when lexa beat roan and then killed naya and everybody then accepted despite the almost vote of no confidence then accepted that Lexa would continue to be as the leader. So it's not out of the realm of being reasonable that Kane thought they would accept the result. No, I don't, I don't think Kane was being naive right then necessarily. Like I think that he had reason to believe that it was sacred, that they would go with it. But I also totally see Jaha and Clark's point of being like, yeah, but yeah. Hey, I, I see both. Absolutely. It depends. (laughs) I just think all season people have dismissed Kane as this naive, as sort of like the symbol of naive idealism. I think that we have right reason to. Well, you have reason and to, you, but you have reason to in the real world. And we still but have you, reason to. This episode shows that he was naive. It just happened to be looking in the wrong direction. He was naive to think... That, that his own people would, weren't cynical. Yeah, he was like, oh, well, I can I trust know. these fuckers. You're saying it was naive to think that Clark and Jaha wouldn't just take the bunker. I don't know if that was something you could really predict. Should we get I into mean, that? Seems- yeah, can we get into... I think that that's like really the, the elephant yeah. in the room. Um, yeah, let's talk about Clark. And, I mean, I thought... Jaha's secondary. Talking about like, that. Jaha's super secondary to this. Because he made it clear that this was Clark's idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um... Which is interesting. Was this, I mean, this was the chief complaint that I saw on Twitter was people being like, this was so fucking out of character for Clark. Do you agree? Anyone? Um, That this was out of character for Clark? Yeah. Like they thought that it was an incorrect direction to take her character. Are we going around? Are we going around? It could be in character, but it's still, um, 
a direction that people might complain about. But do you, okay, so are we going around? Yeah, yeah, All right, sure. so Joe, do you think it was in character? I think, I, again, I don't agree with it, but I, I come at it from someone who has watched an entire episode where there was an option, and I don't think necessarily, given how we've seen Clark evolve, no, I don't think it was out of character. I don't agree with it. I think it was shitty, but I, I think it's Pete Clark. I think that Clark is becoming someone who we might not, in season one, like, she's a pretty blonde girl. We want to root for her. She, you know, like, we afford attractive people more leeway. We think that they're good. Look at Ivan- Ivanka Trump. Um, <laughs> we think that pretty people are moral, morally better than 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 the average. And I think that this was Clark just being fucking where Clark was going to be going. Shaheen, what did you think? Uh, I always have issue with the questions of uh, in character, out of character, because I allow people to make surprising decisions. Was this surprising? Um, yeah, so that's the question, right? Am I surprised that Clark made this decision? Um, I mean, not really, I guess. There's something very Clark-like about it. But there's also something not very Clark-like about it. I mean, the the part of it that's not Clark-like is that she has always been talking about saving everyone. The whole, this whole time she's been talking about, I'm trying to save everyone, etc. I mean, there was a whole list issue, which, you know, wasn't about saving everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, the part of it that is Clark-like is that she's always been in these situations where she just decides who to save and she goes ahead and does it. Um, so that's not surprising. I mean, but the fact that she's now, she goes back and forth between whether she wants it to be everyone or just a few sky people is fine. I mean, I think that that's sort of the thing is that before in sort of the narrative of the story, we were always, the viewer was always Sky Crew. We identified with Sky Crew the most. And so when Clark always chose to save Sky Crew, we agreed with that decision. Um, Uh But we've talked about through other podcasts that it, again, depends on your perspective. And and in all of those, in in how all of those episodes unfolded, we were with Clark and her point of view and watching the events. And this was just a surprise. This was like her, like looking around being like, I have an idea after I talked with Rowan. We didn't know where that was And we're go. omniscient in a way that Clark isn't. Yeah. And that we see how it... We see how it played out. Right. So we don't... We do not agree with Clark because we knew that there was another way that Octavia had won. She didn't necessarily think that Octavia had won. And so I think that the real, you know, rabble and, and, and underpants twisting that happened with the audience was that we got to see that there was another option. Um... And we happen to agree with Clark's decisions before. This wasn't out of character. It's just that we didn't like what she did because we could see that there was this whole other option. Or, or whether or not we agreed with her actions, they were born out as the way events unfolded. As being the best. This is preemptive. Clark is never preemptive. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I thought, uh, and just to go back to the original question, I thought it yeah. was in character. And the whole episode 
my husband and I were waiting for like, what's Clark doing? Because there's where no the way, fuck is Clark? Because there's no way, and and, the, and I didn't know what exactly she was going to do, but and I remember Jen talking about in her review and, and leading up to this of this of saying that she suspected Clark would cheat, but the whole thing had to do. Did you honestly believe that the woman who stood in front of the mountain in the second to last episode in the second season? in the face of all odds and was unwilling to let it go or the person who pulled the lever to end the city of light was just going to stand by and let and other, like let the dice fall and let right and let the dice roll as to maybe humanity and or everyone she cares about right i mean it, it could play out lots of different ways um and just stand by and let that happen that And that's why, no matter what she did at the end of the episode, I expected that Clark was going to try and do something unilaterally to affect the outcome. Right. I mean, if there had been a way that Clark had been like, so, hey, listen, send me 10 of your people. And she had gone around to each clan and been like, hey, give me 10 of your, your best people that you want to save. But she couldn't have done that. I think that if the conclave hadn't happened, she would have done something like that. But in this case, she only had the option of saving her own people. And right. And the issue is also that she, for practical reasons, she couldn't just militarily take hold of the bunker and leave it empty. I mean, do so the one thing that is the piece of information that we're missing at the end of this episode is was her, in, she moved all of Sky Crew in. Yeah. Well, with a few asterisks. With... <laughs> pretty much restrictions apply lots yeah. of people that she cares about like yeah. uh, raven and maybe she's not so cool with the fact that her mom is a new boyfriend because she <laughs> on the other right? side like i mean there's her, a strategic reason why you couldn't go into the throne room and kidnap kane because then everybody would have right but her to. taking bellamy knowing that I mean, A, like this all depends on the fact that she did not think octavia could win because if she did think octavia could win there's she she has to realize she has to realize that like like her deciding to take Bellamy and again maybe this is you know maybe you can give me some Balark insight on this or whatever <laughs> but her deciding to take Bellamy she knows he's gonna try to get out like if he doesn't know for certain what happened with Octavia but she said at the be- I mean at the beginning of the season he was like I'm not gonna be in that bunker and she was like yes you will. And this was just like... But so is she underestimating but her? But Bellamy has already resigned to this. Bellamy is already in the... You can't save someone who doesn't want to be yeah, saved. Yeah, but Clark things. has not accepted that. I mean, the one thing that Clark has not... She does no, I'm not... saying Bellamy right? shouldn't, try, shouldn't try to sneak out. For Octavia specifically. But if he thinks that this is just wrong, I think, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Bellamy is going to feel like this was wrong. Well, the thing that will actually, if the way this plays out, the thing that will piss me off. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you were going to look at the season long arcs, and I'd like to actually have a conversation at some point about what we think Clark's leadership journey, like what is the problem? What is the show trying to say is the challenge to Clark as a leader and what does she need to learn? They seem to signpost Almost to a ridiculous extent that Bellamy's was transcending tribalism and <laughs> like all which of, is all of four. Oh, right? really? But which like he already was doing at the end of season three. If if the way this unfolds is just that Bellamy is pissed at his sisters on the other side of the door, and not is that, that a regression? And not that um, this is super unfair. Yeah, <laughs> that we're taking this for our 
if if the way it plays out is it can't just be about us. We agree to a process. This is about saving everyone and it shouldn't be just about Sky Crew surviving. Then that actually is a pretty great way. If you think about the beginning of season three, Bellamy to now. Right. That's pretty great. But we don't have his reasoning yet. And but we Bellamy don't- doesn't even know if. No, he doesn't Octavia know Octavia. No. Win. And that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, so now he has a choice to say, look, I don't know who won, but I don't care. This is unfair. I'm going to open the hatch. Right. Even if that means we're going to have to give it up. What I didn't love or, in the trailer that I saw was him it. saying, you can't expect me to stay here and not know what happened to my sister on the other side, which is a totally human response. Why didn't they just leave a walkie talkie outside the door? <laughs> And leave one inside or like a tin can on a string and just be like, so listen. But we know that Kane, we've seen the stills from the episode. We know that Kane is going to end up on the other side of the door before it's resolved. Sure. But like, I'm saying like just now, like when you go in, there are going to be questions. Like, why didn't they leave a note? (laughs) Like, I feel like. P.S. If we lose. (laughs) P.S. Hey, if you're reading this, we've taken the bunker. Right. But. Oh, I totally lost the train of thought of where we were at before that. Clark's journey as a leader. If this, if this, if this had gone another way and Luna had won or Roan had won unwittingly by being aided by cheating, Mm -hmm. we would have been left at the end of the episode with all of humanity or Sky Crew, and therefore most of the characters that we care about, and by the way, who fucking found the bunker. Yeah. <laughs> and like even. Like an argument can be made that Sky Crew gets the bunker because they found the goddamn bunker. I mean, if you want it to be like, <laughs> humanity yes. should survive by like dibs. Yeah, no, humanity should. Like, I don't know why they didn't lick the bunker. But if like, either of those two scenarios had, had played out, but at the end of the episode, the reveal was that Clark had secured the bunker. Then at the end of this episode, we would have been like, Clark saved the day. Right. It's because we got to view Octavia win that we're upset at Clark. It's only, Clark was, and I actually, so when this episode ended, I thought that this was, this is Clark's Watch the Thrones. This is Bellamy, like last season. You take what you like about the character and that... They're unwilling to not protect their people. They're willing to do whatever it takes to protect people. They're I mean, not going to stand Lexa at the mountain or right or Lex at the mountain. They're not willing to stand by and not and just let things play out. And when things turn out well, then we hail them as a hero. But last season, Bellamy was unwilling to sit by and let, although it wasn't clear how much people knew what was going on, but again, it was coming down to a battle between Lexa and Roan as to whether at that point what Pike and Bellamy wanted to do made sense or not. Because if Lexa had lost that battle, they were fucked. And Escada had won, then they would have been fucked. And Bellamy... Well, that's what I'm saying. I am like uh, Clark and Jaha's position this episode is the same as Pike and Bellamy's last season. Right. And so yeah. Bellamy and Pike were unwilling to just let the risks play out the way that Clark and Jaha assisting her were unwilling to let the risks play out. And they took unilateral yeah. action. And this whole grounder shit is bullshit. That's, yeah. That's and they took unilateral <laughs> action. And in both episodes... We're getting the unilateral action. And then I assume in the next episode, we're going to get the explanation as to why they did what they did. I mean, I don't even know if there needs to be an explanation because, again, like, 
this comes down to, you know, like Lexa leaving them at the mountain and saying, like, I did, you know, my my people come first. And Clark being pissed about that Mm -hmm. and being like, we had an alliance, which is exactly what this was. We had a contract that this is how this was going to play out. And we all agreed that this was going to go. And it's like, listen, hey, I, I, I was given a better offer. And my job is to save these people first. Then comes everything else. I think Clark trying to save everyone. Clark was is who, actually the. I mean, Clark trying to save everyone. I think was bullshit. I think that she always would come back to saving her own people, and it was because a that's what she's always done, and b it's like she wanted to be the noble leader who would save everyone, but it, when it comes down to the decision, she will save her own Well, people. so, and that's the thing, is that a season-long point? So the thing that I've chafed against this season, that but that I was so thrilled by this episode, was the narrative, whether it's been through Nyla or Roan, saying, well, Clark is the one that's different. And transcends, I mean, God, I like want to hit my head against the desk for how often they've said transcend tribalism, but not just thinking about your own people, right? So the narrative has continually said that. And and in that episode, two episodes ago, where Clark was up in the glass office with Roan. Yeah. That scene, I mean, I just wanted to light everything on fire. It made me so angry because... I didn't think her actions this season actually match up to what the narrative is saying. So whether it was making the list and it's only made up of Arcadians and hiding the Arcadian option from Roan or cutting the deal in the cave with Roan where it's 50-50 Escada and... Which was the best deal she would have gotten for her people. But it wasn't all the clans. No, because fuck them. That's not rising above clan. No. That's cutting a deal with somebody else, half your clan and half mine. Like I said, we, because Clark is pretty, we like to think that she's better than, she's but I never, so, but, so what bothered me was like, I'm actually, I don't want someone to be better. I want, I love it when people make on a show. I love <laughs> when people make mistakes and they're human and they fuck up. And I think that's where it's interesting. So I loved this term for Clark, but what had bothered me was that the narrative was on one level saying that this is what she was doing and then her actions weren't actually I mean she was trying she was trying to reach a goal for more people but her backup plan was always to cover her own people you should always have a backup plan so is the show trying to say like despite people's best intentions you're always going to resort to protecting the people that you care about and that's just human nature so is Luna right I mean that's what I is Luna is that bad is it bad that you protect the people that you care about? Like if you were to have the option to save a hundred people and you go into the bunker and you leave your family and your children outside, is let's, that, I mean, that that's what I think is so interesting. So here's my question. Let's say, oh my God, sorry. The cat's angry. Um, let's say that, that Clark hadn't taken the bunker. Let's say that how many sky crew were left? 500. 500. So they have 700 spots left. Would Sky... I thought there were 400 Sky Crew. Either way, there's 700 and 800. Give or take. Yeah. It's 700 or 800 spots left. Minus Black Rain. Who would... Would Clark have chosen? Would Clark have been like, fuck it, more resources for my own people? Because 400 people is ample to repopulate. 
like conservative estimates say, you know, you need like 120 people to repopulate. I mean, the last episode she was saying every clan gets 100. But at this point, it's fuck it, it's my people. Like if Octavia had won and she hadn't given it away, would Clark have invited more people? Or would Clark have been like, you know what, fuck this noise. Like my people. And we don't know what Clark's intention was. The, here's the problem. Okay. Both practical and... So, Clark... We could find out the next episode that yeah. Clark's intention was to hold the bunker. Like, I'm irritated because of suspense that we didn't get reasoning, but I know that we needed it to be, like, a gotcha at the end. I mean, it reminds me of finishing 304 and Bellamy's just agreed to kill a bunch of people, and then at 305, we get the scene where he's arguing with Clark, and then we're like, oh... Everything you're saying actually makes total sense from your point of view. Yeah. We have to wait an episode to get it, right? Yeah. Even though you can piece together. I mean, in some ways, I love that the show doesn't spell it out for us. And so we're debating it, right? Like we're, so it's, it can be both frustrating and engaging as a viewer to not have it spelled out for you and have to piece it together yourself. Um, and it has, it sparked a ton of debate, like the reactions, but if Clark, the problem is Clark has moved 500 people into this bunker. So even if her intention was to share and for her to say, wow, Octavia's compromise is what I suggested last week. That sounds great. She now has 500 people that have, that are in there and have the expectation that they're going to survive. And you've got a potential riot on both sides of the door for the people that think they have a spot. And now you're going to tell 400 that they don't. And all the people on the other side of the door that aren't in, it's completely fucked. It's like a riot on both sides of the door. <sighs> I guess we're going to find out, though. This, this kind of uh, relates to another well, actually, that I thought of. <laughs> Are we moving into our well, actuallys? Um, yeah, I want to move to the well, actuallys, but I also want to, I'm curious to know, uh, Cece had this thing on the run sheet that I, I thought was interesting about. Utilitarianism versus particular particularism mm-hmm. and free will. Uh, what did you mean by that? So, I think this relates to what what do we think Clark's leadership journey is? And I have felt, and I've seen a lot of people writing that Clark has seemed increasingly isolated from other people. And I think at one point, Shaheen, we ended up after a pod talking about this, like on Reddit, about when you're making decisions, trying to keep all people in mind, and you're thinking about people in the abstract, Mm -hmm. trying to give like equal accord to like all human life and trying to come up with the best scenario possible. But you end up super abstract versus somebody that's thinking about a problem very personally. So is this the partialism yes, debate? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and okay. So, so by utilitarianism, you mean impartialism. And by particularism, you mean Yeah, I'm not, partial. I'm totally not. I'm going to rely on the, like the philosophy PhD to like correct my terms. So. <laughs> Do you have a PhD yet? So, yeah, but I'm curious, like what do we think Clark's, so there's yeah. something Where does Clark there's, stand with this? So yeah, we already talked some, about this and a And there's something bit. that yeah. they're trying to make a point. They've made several points through several characters. So at the beginning of this, earlier on, Jasper said to Clark, and I think this goes towards sort of being a unilateral leader that decides things instead of convincing people, that you can't just have the best idea. You have to convince people. Sure. And then you had Jaha. Octavia convinced them. 
and you have to be able to convince them. And Octavia was played persuasive. She played the game and she persuaded them, um, which is something that we have rarely seen Clark able to do. I think the only time she's persuaded a group she of people. She can only persuade Lexa. And like without that. On uh, one-to-one, she persuaded a group mm-hmm. of people at the end of season one about <laughs> let's not fight, let's go. Right. And then they followed her of like, not fighting sounds great, let's <laughs> run. But that's the only time she's persuaded a crowd. And she kind of built on what Bellamy did and whipping them up and then was like, so everything he right, said. But let's do this other thing. Yeah, so let's go do this. So now that I have your attention. Right. So you have that. She does things like at the beginning of the season. No, I think what makes Clark great, I think this has always been true about Clark, is that she um, has this ideal in mind that's kind of like Kane's ideal. Um, but she's it's- not going to let that ideal get in the way of actually saving body counts. Um, she's so like, she doesn't so- trust people. This is great to a point. So, yeah, so I think this is why she is a good character to be, like, the uh, the model for the rest of the characters or to be, like, the uh, protagonist of the show because uh, she has this ideal, but she's also... Um, she ends up doing the pragmatic thing or a pragmatic thing, and it's not always... It's, it's often rash. It's not always necessarily the best thing to do, but she figures out something that um, doesn't really go through the consent of the masses and um, doesn't always sound fair, but she decides that this is what needs to be done. But she always um, says that she believes in this other ideal where it's impartial and we're all equal and we get along and everything. Um, But, and and somehow we believe her. Like, I think that's the thing about her is that we believe that she already has this ideal, but she definitely in practice, she has not been holding up to that ideal. So, I, and she seems to know it. I feel so like I don't think- this is sort of the first time that we've seen Clark do things preemptively. Like she didn't wait until th- whoever won the conclave and she was going to take the bunker. Mm-hmm. This was, I'm going to do this ahead of time because with Mount Weather, and with the grounders, sorry, in season one, when they were, like, coming, uh, she she was, like, she tried everything and then, fuck it, we got to kill them all. I mean, you could, uh, you could, she didn't wait to see it, and you guys have debated, it was a great debate on this pod, but she didn't wait to see if Jasper's plan would work. No. So that was a yeah. little, I mean, you could say maybe there wasn't time for that, but it was all unfolding in the same room. I wouldn't say that, that was preemptive, though. I would say, like, she thought that there was no more time. Like, she thought that there was no more time. She knew that there was more time here. But, like, fuck that extra time. I, if, if, the whole Cage Jasper thing was happening in the same room that they were drilling people. So it's not, it's not, you're talking about minutes versus in this episode, you're talking about hours. Yeah. But she still made a unilateral decision that she wasn't going to let that scenario play out. Sure. And she might have also just thought that it wasn't going to work. Which in this episode, she thought it wasn't going to work. Ah. Just like she thought the City of Light wasn't going to work and decided it. So is her, is her, is what they're exploring here that Clark substitutes her judgment for others? I mean, here's the other problem that I have is that Clark's always fucking right. Except this time she wasn't. But do we know that? <laughs> but every time, 
every time she's made a choice and the narrative has, because perhaps she's quote unquote, the hero made her choice, at least the way things have unfolded, be the best case scenario for her people. So, and it actually, this one still is right. So they just played to our sympathies. Yeah. For the others, for the others. Right. So like for Clark, this was the great choice. Like she has, she has saved all of her people again. Correct. Good job, Clark. Sky crew. Correct. Right. Clark saves Sky Crew. It's that, that all Clark's season job. they set us up that Clark was thinking about more than that. But at the end of the day, she's like, you know what? Fuck all of y'all. Um, and here, like, Clark is Slytherin. Like, that's just that's just how I it mean, goes. I mean, it was good reason at the but, beginning of this episode. You, I totally understood why she made... Right. The, but, but I do think that this is kind of going to be setting up some sort of a... Like, they finally... The audience is finally against Clark. And so what this does narratively is it sets up a redemption arc because they're never, they're not going to end the show with us hating Clark. Like all of season five, we're not going to hate Clark. Like somehow she has to redeem herself. So she had to do something that we don't agree with. But, and, and so that's what I want to like drill down on. What do we not, what is it that we don't agree with the fact that she cheated? Maybe. Cause we didn't agree with echo cheating. Why should we agree with Clark? Clark so when you go to the f- conversation between Jaha and Kane and Clark and Bellamy. And Except Clark, we also think that Clark, that, that Jaha made a lot of sense. He made a lot of sense. Yeah. And Kane and Bellamy were like, you don't cheat. Yeah. I think it's meant to tear the audience of like, who are you? And it's like, do you cheat to win when nothing else is, is, well, is and, left? And that goes towards this, like thinking that cheating matters is only if you have faith in the system. In the system and in the process and in other people to respect the process. But if you don't, then cheating is just part of the game. Right. Cool. Glad we settled <laughs> slash not settled that. <laughs> <laughs> it all depends all on right. your perspective. Well, so we need to move on. Um, well, actually. And fuck. Well, actually, it's a, we don't have time. Okay. All right. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> it's, they're not funny either and, and or we mentioned them. So. Okay, wrap it up. What TV shows are we recommending? Um, CC, you're recommending The Expanse. I gotta watch that. I finally we started. We finally went back to The Expanse as well. Sorry, I'm cutting in here. Yeah, no. Um, we finally went back to The Expanse. Once you get past like the first half of season one, mm-hmm. it's really slow. I have no idea what anyone's name is. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what anyone what anything is happening in the first half of season one. And then finally, there's one episode that has enough flashbacks where you're like. Oh, okay. Now I'm on board. And it's actually really good. It's really good. It's really good. There's really good characters. It really balances um, a lot of mystery and beautiful effects. It's very noir. Yeah, it is. It's like noir in space. <laughs> and <laughs> Noir. Noir. In space. But um, so what finally like tipped me over, there were a lot of people that recommended it, but there's this um, super smart international relations professor that always contributes stuff to the Washington Post. And he wrote, this is the best show on TV about foreign affairs. Hmm. And he's like, and I know you're going to be like, what the fuck? This is on sci-fi and it takes place in space. But then I was like, and I'm sold and I'm watching it. And it, it is well, really because it is foreign affairs. It's Earth, Mars and people in the outer yeah, and you can substitute all of that for developing countries and the United States. I mean, there's so many different allegories, but it also none of that matter. Like, I love all of that, but if it's not, if it doesn't have a heart, oh, it doesn't have characters. There's an Iranian you, lady in it, Shaheen. 
Like yes. one of the baddest bitches on the show. And I can never pronounce her name, but she's been nominated for Oscars. Um, I, 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 yeah. Shh, I don't want to. I don't want to like say it. her name. She's like in her sixties. And uh, sh- hold on. Yes. Yeah. Wait. Say it again. Exactly. Yes. And she is my favorite character in it. She is not fucking around. Oh my god! And her voice is like smoke there's butter. actually two i think there's two persian actors in it because i think um the the guy with the bad texan accent yes Cass Ambar, who plays <laughs> alex yeah alex's accent bothers me yeah. yeah but it's really it's really great you should watch it shaheen and i think the first season is just on amazon prime and then the second one is you know wherever you can uh, find it on the internet yeah right. um and then sensate is back right season two just i haven't got a chance because it came out this weekend how's handmaid's tale uh, so I saw the first episode of The Handmaid's Tale, and I hadn't, I don't know how I have it, but I haven't read the book, but yeah, um, the I thought the first episode, and it's a lot of writers from The 100. Oh, so yeah. So Dorothy Fortenberry. Tim Mine- Minear? Is yeah, he and um, oh, somebody else that wrote some of my favorite season two, and Charlie Craig, yeah. I think. There's at least three writers from The 100 that are on The Handmaid's Tale. Um, the first episode was... Like really phenomenal world building. I couldn't sleep for like four hours. So get your Hulu in. <laughs> um, it was really good and uncomfortable and how not seemingly far fetched. <laughs> right? Like I remember reading The Handmaid's Tale in like ninth grade and being like, oh, this is crazy. It doesn't seem it's like watching, it's uncomfortable. It's like watching The Man in the High Castle. And you're like, oh, this. Mm. Doesn't seem so far fetched anymore. Yeah, it's a little. Are you watching anything, Shaheen? Uh, nothing to report. No. No, just general uh, browsers and and Pornhub and YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, you, you got it. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up. I watch a lot of uh, games and stuff, so it's you know you guys aren't interested. So what What is the appeal of watching someone else play a game? What is the appeal of watching someone play sports? Okay, fair. Fair point. Fair. Done. All right. All right. Let's wrap it up. Cool. <laughs> so <laughs> next week, we're going to talk about the next episode. You know all of that. So you guys say your goodbyes. Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Take it easy, guys.